With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. What an incredible night in sports. One of uh, just 14, what is it, 14 nights? 14 times in which... I'm told all four major sports have been playing. Those major sports, of course, NBA. We saw the new-look Oklahoma City Thunder and the uh, new-look L.A. Clippers, L.A. Lakers as well. We saw the NFL, great AFC West tilt. And I, I, I reserve the word great for only great. That was a fun game to watch. Both offenses played well. It came down to the very last play and then the play after the very last play and then the play after the very last play. Uh, and then, of course, we had... Um, Major League Baseball with the Dodgers. I believe Kike Hernandez just hit another home run. And uh, the fourth major sport, college football, right? Memphis. Oh, NHL. No idea what happened in that. No idea. 
Welcome in. We got a great show for you. Uh, John Smoltz is going to join us 20 after the hour. I'll ask him about, about this, this simple statement. Um, margin of victory is not that big of deal in Major League Baseball. Now, one-run games, baseball guys will tell you, ultimately they equal out. Um, but bec- the margin of victory was, I think it was in many ways symbolic, right? Like, look, I don't think these Dodgers carry the burden of Dodgers postseasons past. I, I don't. Just like last year's Cubs, they didn't carry the 100-plus years of baggage. On the other hand, it is the defending champs. It is in Wrigley Field. And it was a completely and thoroughly dominant performance, both hitting and pitching. Now, what we did not see and we don't know is Clayton Kershaw, seventh inning, under pressure in the playoffs, we still don't know. We've only seen him once in the seventh inning this year in the playoffs, and it wasn't good. It gave up two home runs. But that said, I, I cannot think of a scenario in which the Dodgers could possibly feel better. I'm a huge confidence guy, right? I believe in confidence. I believe in culture. I believe in conditioning the three C's of championship teams. Confidence is big. So I, I can't fathom a way in which those Dodgers – aren't confident heading into Tuesday night in which they will open the World Series at home for the first time since 1988, when, by the way, they played at home. That was the Kirk Gibson home run. Anyway, but margin of victory is generally not important. I felt like last night it was important. Last night was a no-doubter. Last night was a, we are this much better than the Cubs. And in many ways, last night was, was symbolic of a Cubs season, to which the starting pitching wasn't that great. And even when the starting pitching got better in the second half of the season, the bullpen wasn't really dependable. It wasn't really good choices for Joe Madden to make. And it feels like this is a team to which everybody very quickly said, well, they could be a dynasty in the making. And I told you to start the year. I knew people inside the organization that said, you know, this doesn't feel as big a kumbaya story, the Cubs I'm talking about, as others would lead you to believe. All right, let me quickly get to the AFC West and uh, what we saw last night and how, again, symbolic it was of the rest of the NFL. And then I want to I hone in on something that I watched uh, late last night, Clippers-Lakers, and something we keep trying to take out of sports, which I don't know why, because it made last night's game. All right, AFC West, the, remember the Kansas City Chiefs? They were 5-0, and and they were swimming along, and I said, hey, you know, like, like the Chiefs, been really good in the regular season. Not really bought in on them being a team that I think can win a Super Bowl. Even though Alex Smith is playing some of the best football of his life, Travis Kelsey might well be the best tight end right now. And you could make an argument they had the best running back going in the National Football League as well. Plus, they had the best kick returner. And they have, uh, and they have some dynamic players on defense, albeit, albeit they're, they're going to be without Eric Berry for the rest of the year, who, for my money, is the best safety in football. But here's what's amazing, right? You go back a couple, you go back last week, and Raiders are a mess. Chiefs, they did lose at home, but going into last weekend, Chiefs were thought to be the best team in football. Chargers were left for dead as they started out 0-4, and the Denver Broncos to start the year looked completely and totally unbeatable at home. And in the last two weeks, in the last two weeks, suddenly the Chargers, you can start to in your mind, go like, hey, they should have beaten the Broncos first time around or should have forced overtime. They actually really did a good job of shutting down the Kansas City 
offense. It was their D. It was it was their own offense that that sputtered. Um, and they just beat the Raiders on the road. Like everything we thought we knew about the AFC West, I guess we've sort of forgotten, and it's completely up in the air. Which is funny because we're going to watch college football this weekend, right? And there's a couple of big games to which we're going to decide who isn't playing for the national championship. If Michigan loses this game, again, on the road at Penn State, they likely won't play for a national championship. And college football fans have always, and their administrators have always said, well, that's what makes it so popular is that every game matters. Well, NFL ratings are better than college football ratings, and I will grant you that fantasy football and betting on it has a large portion to do with that, or at least a portion to do with that. But if every game matters and some of the games in the NFL didn't sort of matter because you can lose a couple and still turn the thing around, then that argument is kind of moot, isn't it? Uh, Crazy sequence of events with a couple of penalties, one completely away from the ball on the next to last play. Here's the Raiders finishing this thing off. Derek at a roll left. Derek throws for the end zone, and it is caught for a touchdown by Michael Crabtree. The Raiders, and I think this time it counts. There are no flags. Knees and down, in play, in the end zone. Give it to me loud now. Touchdown, Raiders. That's on the Chiefs radio network. Kidding, (laughs) kidding, kidding. That's on the Raiders radio network. Uh, here's Andy Reid about the officiating. It came down to calls uh, one way or the other. I mean, it came down to calls, and, um, you know, that's, that's uh, it's too bad that way. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the Raiders uh, had some calls, had a lot of calls go their way. Their first touchdown should have been offensive pass interference. Uh, they committed a really stupid penalty in the first half that extended a drive to the Chiefs to where they could score their first touchdown, and the Raiders did benefit from some calls. The officiating was it's weird. The play has picked up on Thursday night. The officiating is not. What's maybe most bizarre, though, was how much time Derek Carr had against the Kansas City defense that you would think could pressure the passer. But everything we thought we knew two weeks ago about the AFC West, we seem to have forgotten. Chargers have a two-game winning streak, the longest winning streak in that division. Chiefs have a two-game losing streak. Broncos suddenly have lost a game at home. And the Raiders, well, I guess this is what we knew, had to win a shutout. Once again, winning close games like they did last year after losing a close game to the Chargers just last Sunday. John Smoltz in about five minutes. Last thing. Lonzo Ball was not good last night. There's no other way around it. Now, look, I will will give him the fact that Contavious Caldwell-Pope is supposed to be a starting two guard. He's suspended because of a DUI. That, that is not a, that's a terrible thing. When you have a really young team and you're the veteran player, um, you're the one guy who's supposed to be the stabilizing force. That's just, it's awful for your team, and it leaves him out there on an island, and he got exposed as such. But the best part of that game is the fact that LeVar Ball had been running his mouth about how good his son was all summer long. And Patrick Beverly is one of those guys, and having played professional basketball, I can tell you, like, you don't don't have to worry about the guys with the big reputations. You know what you have. You know the scan report. You know they're really good. It's the Patrick Beverleys that are the hardest to play against. It's the Matthew Della Vadovas that are the hardest to play against. 
Because in order for those guys to make it, they have to be tougher than a $2 steak, man. And the best part about it was Pat Beverly was talking the talk and walking the walk. He was running his mouth talking about first-team defense. He was running his mouth talking about he'd be up in Lonzo Ball's ass, and he was right. And it was beautiful. Why don't we try and take that out of sport? Granted, I don't want it from high school kids and middle school kids and my eight-year-old son. I don't want him talking trash, per se, and I definitely don't want talking. But there's a difference between talking and talking trash. And I felt like Pat Beverly walked that fine line and erred on the side of talking trash as opposed to taunting. But basketball, in its heart, that's what it's about. It's a street game. It's a pickup game. It's an I'm better than you, and I can lead my team, and I'm tougher than you, and yeah, I'm going to talk about it, but then I'm going to show you. And Pat Beverly, who had to start his career by going to the Ukraine, comes back and then is part of a multiplayer deal in which he's traded for Chris Paul, and the Clippers are left proverbial for dead heard all that talk and decided to talk back and walk it last night. That was a thing of beauty. And what made it best was the trash talk. Otherwise, it's just the Clippers beating the Lakers, something we've seen for the past couple of years. Taking trash talk out of the NBA or out of basketball is like taking fighting out of hockey. It's like taking hard hits out of football. There's a limit there. Like, we don't need headshots. We don't need you to count dudes out when you knock a guy out in the NFL when he comes across the middle. We don't need cheap shots in hockey. We don't need you to sucker punch a guy. We don't need you to slash him with his stick. But every once in a while, a good fight has its purpose. Every once in a while, a good brushback pitch below the neck, you know, into the tushy, that has a purpose. And every once in a while, a good trash talking, hey, dude, I heard your daddy talking about you, about Steph Curry and about this and about that. Guess what? Pat Beverly's here and Pat Beverly's going to show you. You know what? Pat Beverly was right. All right. John Smoltz joins the show upcoming next. I'll ask him about uh, Justin Verlander going tonight for the Strohs against the Yankees. How much does momentum play in when you change venues and you have the type of ace that the Astros have? And I'll ask him if we learned anything from Clayton Kershaw. Kershaw was great last night, but he had all kinds of run support. Do we know how Clayton Kershaw would be in a one-run game in the World Series based upon his performances thus far in the playoffs? The great John Smoltz joins us upcoming next. First, though, are you in need of some great talent for your business but short on time? You don't have to get lost in a huge stack of resumes to find your perfect hire. You just need the right tools smarter tools with zip recruiter it is the smartest tool you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click so you can rest easy knowing your job is about to be seen by the right candidates then zip recruiter puts its smart matching technology to work actively notifying candidates about your job within minutes of posting so you receive the best possible matches no no wonder 80 percent of employers who post on zip recruiter get a quality candidate through the site within just one day Find out why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. Look, there are candidates available, but are they qualified? And do they fit your specific job needs? They do if you go through ZipRecruiter. And you can try it for free. Free. Just go to zip, that's Z-I-P, recruiter.com slash Doug. ZipRecruiter.com slash Doug. 
At Farmers, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Like how to help so you can make sure you're ready for some of life's unexpected hazards. Stay ahead of the game with tips from a knowledgeable pro at Farmers.com. We are Farmers. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. So the Dodgers are in. And what's interesting about this is um, I get that Houston has star power. right? They have the likely AL MVP um, in Jose Altuve. They have one of the most dynamic pitchers of our generation in Justin Verlander. Right, they they have a lot of the things to which America should want to see. Incredible lineup. But America really wants to see the Yankees, right? We're like, hey, listen, you can win tonight, but we don't want you to win in game seven. Or if you lost tonight, like Houston's gonna feel bad, but Houston's really more into football, and the rest of us really want to see Yankees Dodgers. And then you have the Dodgers who um uh, you're not old enough. You're not old enough music to remember this, but back in the day when Bum Phillips was the head coach of the Houston Oilers. You remember this, Ramos? When the Houston Oilers went to the playoffs and they lost in the first round and they had like a pep rally when they got home. He goes, last year we we knocked on, this year we knocked on the door. Next year we're going to kick it in. That's what the Dodgers did. The Dodgers have been to the playoffs before. They hadn't been in the World Series since 88. And even though they didn't sweep the Cubs, they allowed the Cubs one last respite, one last game, they kicked the door in. They announced their presence like Nuke Lelouch with authority, thanks to Clayton Kershaw and Kike Hernandez last night. Let's welcome in John Smoltz, who, of course, will call tonight's Game 6 of the ALCS on Fox Sports 1. He joins us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Smoltz, um, how much does momentum honestly play into this, whereas... You know, the Astros were up two games, none. Now they've lost the last three, but you return home. You had a day off. You got Justin Verlander on the hill. Is there carryover from what happened in New York for the Houston Astros and the Yankees? Uh, There would be. Uh, I think days off always reset. Your next day starter is always a key. If you're the Yankees, you want to play four in a row. And that's what happens a lot in these series when it turns around on a dime like this takes one at bat sometimes, takes one moment. And for, you know, game six, down three games to two, we've been in no situation as a player. And you just know forcing a game seven is the only choice for the Astros. And what I've seen in the past, I just think teams sometimes when they're up, forget they're up. They play with a little bit more desperation, not wanting to get to a game seven. There's a reason why the pressure is all on Houston. And if the Yankees can play their type of game and be fresh and not be so consumed with the what-ifs, I think they're fine. But to answer your question, the day off kind of resets it a little bit. Uh, Carlos Correa didn't hit at all in New York. Uh, what, did they pitch him differently? Uh, do you think it was, it was New York, it was Yankee Stadium? What do you think it was about with Correa? Yeah, it's interesting because he's got great numbers uh, when he comes to New York and he's had good numbers against the Yankees. I thought the way they pounded him in early made him very conscious of the fastball in, and then they had an opportunity to pitch him away. Hitting and pitching are very contagious, 
And when you get a couple guys going in your lineup, it feeds off of everybody. To me, if the Astros have a chance to win this, and they're just as good a chance because they're a really good baseball team, the top of their lineup's got to do something. I mean, Reddick's got to get going. Springer's swing has gotten huge. So what made the Astros really, really good in the regular season, they're getting away from it a little bit. They're expanding the zone. They're swinging at pitches they normally wouldn't swing. Um, and so how does that match up? How does that match up tonight with Servino? Well, you know, um, Severino has gotten better with each start. He was throwing a lot of tights. Uh, I call it pressure sliders, which means it's not the slider you want. It starts looking like a cement mixture. And especially he showed that in the first game, but he was so much more relaxed in his next game. So I think for, for the Astros, they're going to have to hit a slider or two. I mean, you don't typically go into a game thinking about hitting sliders. You just don't want to miss fastballs. But I think he throws so many sliders that if you can recognize it and not expand away, then you've got the advantage, especially at home. Severino has a 97, 99, 100-mile-an-hour fastball at times, but he really is uh, uh, his fastball is like a show pitch. It's not what you would think. His change-up slider get thrown a lot more percentage-wise than his fastballs do. Um, I look, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but it is Verlander, so you have to wonder if they if it goes seven. What do you think the Astros do? They just, I mean, obviously you throw the kitchen sink at that game, but but what do you think the order is of what they do pitching-wise? Yeah, that's going to be real interesting, and tonight will go a long way for that. But I I, I feel bad for Charlie Morton because he pitched really well. And his numbers are going to look not very good. I mean, the three-run homer against Frazier after two soft hits and the swing that Frazier took. Oh, man. I mean, that's, that's, new, to... that's new Yankee Stadium, right? That doesn't go yeah. out of That's new Yankee Stadium home run. Exactly. And I think that, you know, you've got to have confidence that Charlie Morton would be your guy. You'd also have the ability to bring in McCullers if you wanted to, Peacock. But right now, the Astros' pen, from a confidence standpoint, is not real high. No, that's they I think a, that's that's the question, Smolty, is how does AJ Hinch ever take the ball away from Justin Verlander? I mean, Verlander can go 120 pitches anyway, but I mean, th- there's no one in their right mind would take the ball out of his hands tonight considering how little that bullpen has offered, plus it's Justin Verlander. Yeah, well, in a perfect world, he'd love to get 7 or 8, right? 8 maybe. I mean, to get a pack back-to-back 9-inning game out of your your starter would be miraculous, especially today. Um, I think Verlander in all the effort that he had last game will come out revved up, uh, but you have to pitch this game with emotion as much as in a neutral place as possible. You cannot get so amped up. You got to store up some of that energy for later in the game, like he did in game one. So, uh, I, or game, game two, sorry. I think the biggest thing for, for A.J. Hinch is he can't afford multiple. He's got to have a formula of three pitches or less. Three pitchers or less gets him a W, and then they'll figure out what to do in Game 7. John Smoltz joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Trade. Let's get, let's get to the Dodgers. They were impressive. I guess, the, I guess my only big takeaway is, or question is, do we know yet? Like, that was good for Kershaw to get all that run support. Um, but, you know, the question is, what does he do when he doesn't get that run support? Did we learn anything about Kershaw from this series? Yeah, he's, I mean, I said three years ago, if you give this guy seven, eight starts, watch what happens. I mean, he had trouble with one team. 
I think in the last eight or nine starts, the team has won everyone but one. And that's the key. I mean, when he's on the mound, yeah, he probably presses earlier in his career to try to be superhuman, but this guy's tough to hit. And the Dodgers know when he's on the mound, they're in a great percentage, great percentage to win a baseball game. Look, the Dodgers are doing everything that everyone forgot that made him great. You know, when they went through their kind of swoon and everyone thought, wrote off the Dodgers, they said, well, you know, Arizona's probably good, could beat them. Uh, nobody thinks that way anymore. Their lineup is unorthodox. It's not what you would look at and go, yeah, I can see that kind of power. Some of these guys have transformed their careers, and they had no Corey Seager, uh, you know, no Adrian Gonzalez, and, and yet this team basically finds ways to, to, to beat you up at the right times and get some big home runs. Of course, Justin Turner is their MVP this year. So uh, the Dodgers are complete. You don't want to mess with their bullpen. You don't want to mess with a close game late, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be great matchup no matter who they play because there's great storylines and great star power. Um, do you expect to see a game seven? I do, I do. I thought it was going to be a game seven all the way through this series. That's how that's how much I think of the Yankees and the and the Astros. Um, I was one of the few people that thought it would go to game five after being 0-2 uh, against the Indians. The Yankees have something special, man. They 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 grind. Even when they look really, really bad, they're always a swing or two away from beating right back in the ball game. Uh, Joe Girardi and just the way he's handled this ball club with the young players and the mix of the veterans. This is a classic series. I thought it would be with the Indians. It turned out to be that way. I thought definitely I couldn't wait to see this series. And uh, I would anticipate not just because they're home, but because of who's on the mound and the fact that I think they're going to score some runs. So, um I, I just I can't wait for Game Sevens. I loved him as a player, and I love him as a broadcaster. Couple things uh, post mortem: Cubs lose after winning a World Series. Uh, Talent wise, far and away the best team last year, and yet they're pushed to seven. This year, really struggled out of the gate. First half of the season, second half of the season, best record in the National League. Uh, but it was never really kumbaya. Bullpen wasn't as good. Starters weren't as good. Now Chris Bryant didn't hit at all in this in this series. Um, is Last year, I remember when they won the World Series, there's a lot of talk. Hey, this is a team that could reel off a couple. Now it seems less likely uh, than than any time in the past two or three years. What's your sense of what needs to change with the Cubs in order to get them back on track? Well, you know, um, they hid some things last year. They hit them well because their starting pitching was so dominant. Their offense was a feast or famine. It looked good because they're, they're – starting pitching was so good that all they did was add on. It's a lot easier to score and add on than it is to constantly come back, manufacture runs. Uh, the core players, uh, young players have gotten a lot of experience. I think they continue to get better, but their bullpen is, uh, was something that Joe Madden did not have any confidence in whatsoever. It seems like the Cubs the last two years in the postseason played a short roster, meaning it's 25 guys, but it might as well have been 17 or 16. And I think that's one thing moving forward. They're going to have to get more confidence that they can uh, know that the pen is not going to be something that plays real short. They have pitching issues coming up because I don't know if they're going to sign Arietta, and the young pitchers are really young in the farm system. So for what they put together and how they did it, no one can argue the blueprint and the success, but they're going to need pitching and more of it. Uh, to, to do exactly what you said, to have a longer run 
with this core players that they have in their lineup. All right, you, you got all the pitching in the world in Washington as far as starters, right? Um, you, you know, yes, Rosberg, you got Scherzer, uh, to a lesser extent, Gio Gonzalez. I don't know if you, you I'm sure you're pretty well. Dusty Baker uh, is not being brought back. Is there a, is there a guy that can fix it? Because everybody's tried. They've had a bunch of different options to how to try and get the Washington Nationals out of the division round and into the CS, let alone into the World Series since they moved back to D.C. No one's been able to do it. Is, is, there, a, is there one person who is the right fit for that team? I thought Dusty did a great job. I thought managing some of those personalities and some of the things that comes with it, I thought he did a, ma- a magnificent job, actually. Um, it's unfortunate that twice game fives in their building, the players weren't able to be as good as they needed to be. Uh, it wasn't a healthy Bryce Harper. Everybody knows that. I don't know if there's a guy. I, I think once it builds, the pressure builds to get something you haven't done versus what you have done. I think franchises are in trouble because it's so much emphasis on the negatives when there's a lot of positives that came along with it. John Smoltz, you check him out tonight along with Joe Buck on the call. That's the ALCS game six in Houston. Pre-game starts at 7 Eastern. First pitch is at 8.08. Of course, Luis uh, uh, Severino taking on Justin Verlander in Houston. Dome is going to be uh, closed. That's on FS1. Smoltzy, great stuff as always. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. He's the best in the business. It's not really close. It's not really close. Bring in Dan Beyer. Get you an update on all the other things going on in the uh, sports world. What do you got, Dan? Yeah, you had the details on baseball. Other baseball news. Ron Gardenhire, officially the new skipper of the Tigers. And Dusty Baker's time with the Nationals is over. Baker removed of his duties today. Actually, Baker says that he wanted to find out 10 days ago if he was going to be back, but the Nationals just notified him recently. So Dusty Baker is out of a job with the Nationals despite leading the team to the back-to-back NL East Division crowns, but they were also ousted in the NLDS in both seasons. Moving on to the NFL, Vikings quarterback Sam Bradford and wide receiver Stephon Diggs won't play against the Ravens on Sunday, while Panthers linebacker Luke Keekley has been ruled out of their game against the Bears because of a concussion, and a back injury has made Bengals corner Adam Jones doubtful to play against the Steelers on Sunday. Some good news for the Buccaneers, quarterback Jameis Winston is going to go against Buffalo in Week 7, despite a sprained AC joint in his shoulder. And Doug, I know you're going to talk some hoops. There's some injury news to pass along. Warriors getting good news on Draymond Green, and Andre Iguodala both going to play tonight in New Orleans. But no Chris Paul tomorrow for the Rockets against the Mavericks because of a sore knee. And Miles Turner of the Pacers going to miss two games because of a concussion. Um, Dan, here's something interesting. I, I said this a long time ago about, you know, when there's been a coaching change with LeBron James, uh, when there's a coaching change with Kobe Bryant, when there's a coaching change in the NFL. Like, we, look, when you're the best player, you don't necessarily get your boss fired. Sometimes you do. Like, when Mike Brown was fired, uh, I know a lot of people in that Lakers organization, and I was told that Kobe Bryant walked in and said, Mitch Kupchak, he's got to go. And it sounds really sinister. I don't know if you remember, that was, they had Dwight Howard, they had Steve Nash, they were trying to run the Princeton-style offense. It just was a bad fit, and I know Mike Brown really, really well. And I think Mike Brown is a is an absolute gem of a human being. Like, he's a really good guy. That was a really bad mix. Because Mike Brown, he's dealt with LeBron, but it was young LeBron. He's kind of an aw shucks. Very nice, very affable. And he brought in Reggie Jordan. Look, regardless of which, Kobe has gone in and gotten guys fired. 
There have been other guys, Dale Harris gets fired, where Kobe hasn't gotten him fired, but he didn't keep him hired, right? Like, LeBron does this all the time. Like, I didn't have anything to do with David Black getting fired. I didn't have anything to do with, with any of my coaches getting fired, right? Take a listen to Bryce Harper. This is after they lost in the NLDS. Take a listen to Bryce Harper. He was asked about Dusty Baker returning. Uh, I mean, I think that just, uh, you know, decision is made from up top. You know, I don't, uh, don't want to comment on that really. So, um, you know, just comes from up top. Boy, that is a really strong statement in support of your, of your skipper, isn't it? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not wrong when I hear that. Correct. Correct. Okay. Right. And now listen, um, Harper wasn't healthy. And remember the first time Harper got hurt, he wasn't, he was, it was when, uh, what was the previous manager? What was it? Was it was it Kirk Gibson? What who was it? That um, no, Kirk Gibson was with the Diamondbacks. Who was with the, the Nationals? Yeah, who was the previous manager? With the, uh, Matt Williams, right? Is another yeah. former San Francisco Giant, Matt Williams. Matt Williams got onto Bryce Harper about not playing hard, and then Bryce Harper, I think he like slid into first base or ran ran out of like simple ground ball and pulled a hamstring, and it was like, or maybe he was coming into third base. It was because he was playing hard. He actually got hurt anyway. Like there is no reason for I don't think Dusty Baker's a he's. Dusty Baker is known as the best manager in baseball until the game actually starts. And what does that mean? That means he's like, everybody likes Dusty. He's a, but he does not make in-game decisions. Well, and that's what the playoffs are really about. So, uh, but, uh, but like, look, anyone who says, well, Bryce Harper had nothing to do with it. Okay. But when Bryce Harper was asked about Dusty Baker returning, he was like, well, that's not really my decision. No, no, no. If you want somebody to stay employed, it's very simple. You do the Jimmy Chitwood. Do you remember the Jimmy Chitwood? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Does do you think music knows the Jimmy Chitwood? Uh, it's when he goes and gives the jersey and says, "I'm not going to play." There's no jersey. There's Tom. No jersey. Oh no! You know, I was Tom thinking Hall. of uh, I was thinking of Rudy. Rudy. Uh, Rudy. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Um, all right, this is Hoosiers. And I think this is Hoosiers was what about 1987? Yep. 86, I think. 86, yeah. 87. And um, you're right. I was 12 years old. I was at uh, the uh, Valentine's Day Classic out at Santa Barbara and the Goleta Boys Club. And that's when it came out. We watched it the night before the championship game. And uh, we upset Tribuco Hills. It was our rival. They would never beaten them before. We beat them. And we we watched Hoosiers the night before. Anyway, uh, Ryan, have you seen Hoosiers? Yeah, like once. Okay. Yeah. I know. It's not. I know. This is like a tragedy. John Ramos, um, are you watching a 3D movie? Did you get your <laughs> eyes worked on today? I, what, what, what? You got your eyes worked on? Yeah. I, it, was, it was a little bright in here, so I needed to put, <laughs> I needed to put on the sunglasses. No, so if you Just, don't know, like Ramos wears glasses, okay? John Ramos, sh- uh, sh- uh, tightly shorn head, headphones, and glasses, but he has um, some sort of like. Disposable sunglasses. Yeah. Disposable sunglasses. It looks like uh, if he was going for a spacewalk afterwards. <laughs> or, or, or if he's like uh, going to a NASCAR event, either either one he, he fits in. So like having a, and I'm, I'm looking directly at him, having a conversation with him when John is 
He's he's looks very cool, very hip, very handsome, I, very debonair, Doug, very millennial. I got to be honest. My update that yeah. I gave you yeah. was a little off because I looked at John and I had no idea what was going on, and I was trying to talk about Dusty Baker, but John has these sunglasses on that completely threw me off. Okay, so Jimmy Chitwood wasn't playing, right? He was the star player, and he had lost his love for playing basketball in a little town. Um, called Hickory, which is really Milan High School. And, you know, the coach, Gene Hackman, goes out, and he's trying to talk him into playing, and he's feeding him, and every shot he makes. By the way, Jimmy Chitwood lives in Southern California. I've played pickup basketball with him, the guy who played it. And um, he walk, and they, and they take a vote to get rid of Gene Hackman as the coach. Take a vote at Town Hall because he's too tough on the guys. And they take a vote, and they vote him out. But the votes had not been tallied yet but they'd already been voted upon and Jimmy Chitwood walks in and he says, I think it's time for me to start playing ball. And everybody goes crazy. And he goes, there's one catch coach stays. I play. He goes, I go. And they immediately call for a recount. They have the recount and the coach stays. They go on and tiny Hickory high school, which really Milan high school wins the wins, the Indiana high school championship. If you want to keep your coach or manager, skipper or whatever employed, you do the Jimmy Chitwood. Otherwise he's going to get fired. Whether you say I want him out or not, we all assume you don't care. And once you don't care, you're out. So is the coach. Will we see another crazy weekend of upsets in college football? I'll tell you next With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Mark Schlereth will join us next hour. Watch Oklahoma City play last night against the Knicks. Very important to remember, the Knicks suck. Okay, It's just really, really important to remember. So before you free, this is like, um, oh, who's this like? Uh, you know, it's like JT Barrett. I, I've heard uh, people say like, you know, what we need to do is apologize to JT Barrett. He's really good. Look at what he, how he's played in recent weeks. Like, I, I'm not disputing that JT, JT Barrett's a good football player. I'm not. Um, but Ohio State being 6-1 and one on the season which is interesting, right? They've beaten Rutgers, Maryland, and Nebraska. UNLV, Rutgers, Maryland, Nebraska, Army. That's their four-game winning streak. Okay. Nebraska sucks. Rutgers sucks. Maryland sucks. Army sucks. UNLV sucks. My point is not to point out that those teams stink. Well, maybe a little bit. My point is to point out that it's really hard to evaluate if JT Barrett is that much better or just the competition is so far inferior. Like Oklahoma City looked great last night, but they were playing the Knicks who stink and have a completely new management and a completely new plan. And yeah, they have Christoph Sprzingis. He looked fine. The rest of their team's awful. Let's get to a game. Game This is game time. 
game star. On the Doug Gottlieb Show. Stand by, what do you got, buddy? Uh, today we've got... Psychic? Ah, psychic. Maybe psychic could have seen that Ohio State's wide receivers have actually gotten better. Something that uh, has also improved for the Buckeyes. Just, uh, yeah, nobody ever talked about that, how... Years past, Cardale Jones had Devin Smith and Michael Thomas and sure. great wideouts to throw to. These This crew finally coming into their own. All right. Let's. It, it is interesting that Oklahoma beat Ohio State at Ohio State. Both have lost a home game, although Oklahoma has actually beaten Ohio State at Ohio State, and Oklahoma is ranked three spots below that of Ohio State, right? That's yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. And when it comes down to the decision, if they were for the playoff, how would it go down? Last year it went into Ohio State's favor when it came down to really them in Penn State. All right, let's talk with start with college football. Psychic, will Alabama actually cover this enormous spread against Tennessee on Sunday, which is 36 points? Um, no. I think this is actually a really, really easy bet. Look, I don't think Tennessee is good, but I don't think Tennessee this – is, this is one of those um, – I know they lost to Georgia 41 nothing. But there was a lot of fight in them last week against South Carolina, a team that should have beaten Florida. They're not good, but they're not terrible. And I think they'll be competitive this week in Tuscaloosa. This is one of your favorites as well. The over-under is 50-and-a-half, and the spread is 36. Yikes. Um, let's uh, talk some pro football. How about that? Psychic, will the NFL suspend a Raiders running back Marshawn Lynch for running on the field and shoving an official during last night's win against the Chiefs? He may be suspended for the rest of the season. This will be a lengthy suspension. Look, there's a suspension coming for both offenses. Coming onto the field when you're not in the play is suspension worthy, right? Like, C.J. McCollum is suspended to start the season for just moving towards the court, right? Like, he didn't even go and go on to the court in a preseason game. He just kind of moved left the bench area enough. He got suspended. You leave the bench area, you're going to get suspended. You come on the field and participate in a fight, you're going to get suspended for an additional game or two. You push an official, you run the risk of being suspended for the rest of the season. You come on the field, you're not involved in the play, you get involved in an altercation you had nothing to do with, and then you push an official? Yeah, this is going to be a much longer suspension than people think. In speaking for the first time since Aaron Rodgers was injured by his hit, Vikings linebacker Anthony Barr said he didn't intend to injure Rodgers and that his hit on the quarterback wasn't dirty. So psychic. Will Anthony Barr get a reputation of being a dirty player just because of this play? Uh, no. Anthony Barr is a really, really, really hard hitter. I mean, he is a ridiculous hard hitter. And I do think he... Uh, he he follows through on hits that he didn't have to. This was not necessary. Not necessary. Do I? I don't think though this will ever be seen as a dirty play or him because of this hit. No, I do not. By the way, Aaron Rodgers. It is not a locked up sense that he's done for the season. Just just want to point that out. Psychic will Dusty Baker manage again in Major League Baseball after he wasn't brought back by the Nationals? I don't think so. I don't think so. How many teams has Dusty Baker managed? Four. Huh? He's got four so far. Is that all? I thought there was more. Giants, Cubs, Reds, and Nationals. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, How old is Dusty Baker? 68. Yeah, I mean, being a manager is much like being a golfer, right? There's, like, no such thing as being too old to be a manager. There's no such thing as being too old to be a golfer. It's like there's no such thing as being too drunk to fish. (laughs) So... Um, I don't think it's an age limitation. I just think it's one of those, one of those deals to which at some point, like you've been around the game a long time, 
He's been around some really good teams. Most guys really like him, but I do think that at some point you move on to the next generation. All right, finally, Psychic. Will Doug be at one of the World Series games in Los Angeles? Yes. Oh, Psychic sees us. Will John Ramos? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, Dodger fan, no. Angels fan, yes. That's game, huh? Game time. This is game time on the Doug Gottlieb Show. So I, I, I emailed one of our, our our ultimate boss last, or texted our ultimate boss, and I said, hey, listen, um, I'm putting in for tickets to game two. He's like, why game two? And I said, look, 1988, my dad took me to game two. And I want to take my son to game two. I just, I think it's, I think it'd be a cool thing to do. Take him to game two. <laughs> I told you my son's like, can we sit next to the dugout? Like, do you, do you have a trust fund that I'm not aware of? Is that, yeah, not really aware of that, that type of cash. But it'd be really cool. Uh, unfortunately, game two, like I told you yesterday, was a total snooze fest in 88 because Oral pitched and nobody could hit Oral. Whereas game one was the Gibson home run. We'll see if history repeats itself. Speaking of the Dodgers, they completely and thoroughly dismantled the Chicago Cubs. You know, part of the Cubs season reminds me of a basketball team, reminds me of a football team. Share with you who they remind me of next on the Doug Gottlieb Show. What up? It's Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the City of Angels. Where uh, it's been a long time since uh, the 80s, but in case you forgot, if you think Boston has had a good run, let me just explain something, okay? We kicked some ass in the 80s, right? Right? Like, we kicked some. Ramos, am I, am I, if, if I'm lying, I'm, 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 no, I'm dying. I was just telling the two millennials in here, the 80s were wonderful. <laughs> Dude, I the love 80s, the 80s, man. The they were good. Yes. Believable. Like, yes, the Rams were. were constantly in the playoffs, could never get, could never, they couldn't get to the Super Bowl, but they were at least good. And they were probably the worst organization going in, profe- in sports, right? UCLA basketball is actually kind of a mess, but USC football was really good in the 80s. It was the 90s that were bad to USC football. The Lakers is like, come on, going to win Showtime. Showtime Lakers? Clippers sucked, but it wasn't that big a thing with it. The Clippers sucked. Had the Lakers, had the Dodgers. Remember 86 when uh, the Mets won? The Angels were actually, should have actually gone to the World Series and not the Red Sox. The late Donnie Moore gave up a huge home run. They lost game seven in Boston. But between the Dodgers and the Lakers and the Raiders, this is how you know. This is how you know you're old. If I say Raiders Super Bowl in the '80s, what was it? Uh, what year was that? '85. Ramos. Which game? I'm sorry. Raiders Super Bowl. The LA, yeah, '85. Um, it's known for one play. What's the play? Marcus Allen's. Marcus run. Allen runs one way, runs all the way back the other. My son has a flag football game tonight. He will probably perform that type of run about ten times. <laughs> He'll over. try it, yeah. Well, he like look. He we we yelled at him all last year. Um, we yelled at him all last year about you know don't run side to side. Like cut that thing up once where it's like real football. So, of course, I told him like listen. Every once in a while, if you want to go all the way back across the field and flag football, you're not going to get slobber knocked. So last game he did it, and I mean he shook every. I got to film some of this stuff. Anyway, he's a little guy, but he's a fast little guy. So he'll have one of those runs tonight. 
The 80s were awesome to Los Angeles. The 80s were terrible to the Yankees. We'll see if the Yankees can uh, can take on the, uh, the, the Dodgers if they can get a win tonight on Fox Sports 1. But the Dodgers last night completely and thoroughly dismantled dismantled the Chicago Cubs. Dismantled. When did you stop watching, Ramos? Oh, I watched the whole game, but I knew it was over in the third. Third at the Grand Slam? Yeah, that was, yeah, when was, it, that was the old proverbial dagger in the heart. Well, 7-0, seven, seven yeah. after Kike Hernandez hits a, hits a Grand Slam. And that thing was, that was grab. I have a couple friends who flew out for the game, and they were, like, leaving the game. Because they're going to the Notre Dame game as well, Notre Dame SC. Lots of it. All the annoying SC football fans are like, oh, I'll fly in, watch the Dodge. Dodgers. Dodgers, now I'll go spend some money in South Bend. That was over at that point. But the Cubs are interesting now. Um, I, I do think you have to, you're better off if you taste the pain, feel the pain before you taste the champagne. And when you skip a step, remember, the Cubs had not gotten to the World Series and won the World Series last year. And I don't know if it's because they skipped the step of losing in the World Series or it's they had too many young players, but they remind me a little bit, a little bit of the Oklahoma City Thunder when they reached the finals against the Miami Heat. Do you guys remember that? It was like a surprise that they were there. It was like a year early. Now, the Cubs were the best team in baseball last year because their pitching was so good. Maybe they remind me a little bit of the Dallas Cowboys, just in that Cowboys last year were the best team in football for most of the season. Now, they didn't get to a Super Bowl. They lost in their first playoff game at home. But there's something to getting to that pinnacle and losing that. And and I know that in the Super Bowl, maybe it's different because, like, the Falcons went there. And we, we go back and trace. Carolina Panthers got there, had a terrible season the next year. Teams that lose in the Super Bowl oftentimes struggle the next year. There, there's something to this Cubs team where it felt like maybe they skipped a step and were too good too soon and took it a little bit for granted. Anybody else feel that way? Here's Joe Madden after the game last night. You know, being the team that wins for the first time in 108 years was very difficult for guys just to get jump started in April and May. I think that really is legitimate. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a stretch. I don't think it's hyperbole in any way. It's true. It's just true. It's true. It's just true. Um, I don't think it's hyperbole. I also think the bullpen was less dependable. The starting pitching was less dependable. And all of those guys that were told how great they were became less dependable. But there was something to remember in 03, in 03, I know it wasn't the World Series, but the way in which the Red Sox lost and the way in which the Red Sox won seemed to embolden them. Now, they did not, they had a disappointing year after winning the World Series in 04. So some of this is par for the course, and it doesn't mean you can't recover, and doesn't mean you can't get back there. And as bad as the Cubs were to start the year, they were the best team in the National League in the second half of the year. But boy, did they have a terrible performance against the Dodgers. And remember, the Dodgers, this is not the Dodgers team that you thought you'd have coming into the year. Chris Taylor was not on the roster to start the year. Not on the roster. They had to go out and trade for you, Darvish. Uh, when they traded for Curtis Granderson, they got worse, not better. So there is, there's some kind of overthinking, even on the Dodgers' part, how good they are, what they needed to add. 
Yes, Ramos. I actually think that this year's Cubs teams looked like last year's Dodgers team, where Roberts was afraid to go to the bullpen last year. I mean, yep. he, that's, and this year Madden was not afraid to go there. He just didn't want to go there because he, he knew what was going to happen. It's almost like the roles reversed 100% on both teams in one year. I think that's accurate. I think it's accurate. Remember last year also the Dodgers couldn't hit left-hand pitching at all. Uh, but it's important to note that like the Dodgers, Gonzalez been hurt all year. Corey Sager didn't play in this series. Remember like Chris Taylor, remember he, he kind of screwed up a play the night before that could have led to a, a double play, could have gotten him out of a big inning for him. I mean, he's not really, he can play shortstop but not a shortstop. Like you lost one of the two or three best shortstops in baseball before this series began to a back issue. And you still completely and thoroughly dominated the Cubs. That's crazy. Yeah, 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 music. How would you summarize the Cubs season? I thought it was a disappointment. You do think it was a disappointment? Yeah, I, I think it was a disappointment. And and I know Cubs fans are like, ah, oh, Gottlieb, you didn't pay attention the second half of the year. Yeah, I did. Like, the NL Central is not good. Is not good, and it took them a long time to win the NL Central. And yeah, they had ninety three wins. But tell me who, like, even Cardinals fans were like, we we weren't very good this year, and you let us kind of hang around and hang around and hang around. So I I don't think I think it was considering who's in their division, considering how long it took them, and considering how their bullpen went from last year they fixed their bullpen and made it incredible. Baden didn't use it well. And I also think that Madden should catch some heat. Game two is on him. Bottom of the ninth inning, you got Wade Davis. Now he had to fry Wade Davis going back to uh, game five of the previous series. But his game two is a couple days later. That's what you that's what you acquired Wade Davis for. But I think it was disappointing. I really do. And why is it? It's always interesting whenever there's in any of the sports, like and you pointed it out, when there's a young team that has at least a little bit of success, whether it was the Cowboys. I know what you're going to say. Oh, here's the beginning of yeah, the dynasty. Yeah, we immediately just go, dynasty, here it comes. It's like consistent. As long because as there's a little bit everybody of Everybody wants to call it first. They want to call it first. They want to say, I saw that. It's like the guys like, I saw him in high school. I told you he's going to be LeBron. I told you LeBron's going to be the best player ever. Right? They just, and they, they want to be the guy to call it first. My wife gives me grief about that. I guarantee if you call her right now, and I said, what did I call first? She'll say, Dixie Chicks. <laughs> wow, <the> Dixie <laughs> Chicks. This is a true story, okay? So, real quickly, because uh, um, Schlereth joined joining us up coming next, right? Um, spring of 98. I've been in Oklahoma State for a, for a year, for, for one, one school year. And the last two weeks I was there, I was driving every day to Enid, Oklahoma, which is like an hour away. And I was working with a shooting coach, Denny Price. Denny Price is the father of Brent and Mark Price. Guy knows Denny Price, a former uh, pro and college assistant coach. And so I was driving an hour. I'd shoot with him or him and Brent for an hour, and then I'd drive home. And so, like, look, in Oklahoma, you're listening to radio all the time. This is back. I had a Chevy Blazer, and I had my... Uh, I think I had my in-dash sick disc CD changer. You guys remember when it went to in-dash? Because at first you had to have the disc changer in the trunk, right? 
That's where I had mine. Right. At first, this is this is where millennials are like, this is going to blow their mind. First, there was just cassette, cassette. Then CD players came out, but you couldn't, you had to buy your own in-dash CD. So what you had was you had a connector cable where you'd actually have a cassette tape. It had a cord and it would plug in to the CD, your disc man. Okay. But the disc man did not have uh, the, it did not, when anytime you bounce, it'd skip, right? And then they came out with the, like the auto skip, like where it wouldn't skip. And then they came out with the in-desk disc player or in the trunk, you get like a 10 disc or a six disc in your trunk. You had to have it installed and you had to press like 92.5 in your FM dial or something like that in order to get your disc player to work. Like this is, people are just like, what, what are you talking about, dude? I just, I got my iPhone and my Bluetooth now. I don't even own a CD. I got, I got all these CD uh, CD holders. I got a CD tower, and I literally never use the thing. So I was driving back and forth. That's two hours a day, and there's a place called Hastings, which was where we'd buy our our CDs in Stillwater. And I walked up to the counter to buy us. I was buying a couple of CDs. You know, like you get greatest hits because then you can never do wrong. Like the world has vetted through all, all of these different songs to know they're good. So even if you don't love it, it's greatest hits. It's the best of the best of. Van Halen, Greatest Hits, whatever, uh, you name it, Billy Joel. So I saw this new album release. It was called The Dixie Chicks. So I brought it. I listened to it driving there, driving back. And I was like, this is a great album. These guys are going to be. So I shared it with my then girlfriend, now wife, like the next year when we first started dating. I was like, I got to tell you, I think I was the first person at Hastings. And I was kind of joking, but I was kind of serious. I think I was the first person at Hastings to buy a Dixie Chicks CD. They had just broken these out of, like, the box. We're literally unwrapping them. and like, yeah, I'll try that. Eleven ninety nine, couple songs, and it pays off. So to this day, my wife is like, yeah, my husband, he discovered the Dixie Chicks. And she means that tongue planted firmly in shape. So my, my point is, we hear this all the time. When the Thunder got to the, to the NBA Finals, this could be the beginning of a dynasty. Right. Um, we we've heard it in the NFL when a team last year the Falcons make it to the Super Bowl. This could be the beginning of a dynasty. Look at the defense, the speed, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, beginning of a dynasty. We heard it with the Carolina Panthers. We hear it with we hear it with baseball all the time. Kansas City Royals had two great years, great years, and actually they were super competitive at the end of this year. But yeah, you're right. The Cubs. Everybody wants to be like me with the Dixie Chicks. They want to be the one who calls it first, so they get credit for it. Our Mark Schlereth to join us upcoming next. What happened to the Chiefs? Thought they were the best. Now they're the worst. And how did his Broncos lose at home to the Giants? How does that happen? How does that happen? Don't let the name fool you. Dollar Shave Club has way more than just razors. Uh, try their first month starter set with travel size shave butter, body cleanser, butt wipes, and executive razor all for just $5. After that, replacement cartridge ship for just a few bucks a month. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash Gottlieb. Mark Schlereth joins us upcoming next. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for and on average save over 3000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience.
uh, these guys. I mean, Ramos is listening the whole time. That, that's the problem with you guys listening. We'll talk some Lonzo Ball upcoming. Yes, I'm the man who discovered the Dixie Chicks. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. All right, enough of the Dixie Chicks. Let's welcome in uh, Mark Slayer, three-time, three-time Super Bowl champ, NFL on Fox analyst. And uh, Stink, the Kansas City Chiefs were the best team in football. Now they can't win. Uh, really competitive game on Thursday night football. Um, what's your takeaway on what's gone wrong for the Chiefs the last two games? Well, I mean, uh, you know, big plays won. I, and it, it was interesting because they went out and, you know, Pittsburgh came in after getting beat up by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And it's like, you know, one thing that I've noticed about the Kansas City Chiefs, they've got a couple of fatal flaws. One of them, they have not defended the run very well, although they defended it better last night against the Raiders, who haven't run it very well at all. But, you know, gave up huge plays in the secondary. Obviously, uh, uh, Cooper had a, a coming out party against them over 200 yards receiving. But, you know, they're I guess they're pretty much like any other team. Dougie is uh, they're fatally flawed, like everybody is fatally flawed in the National Football League. You want a parity? You've got parity. Because um, I don't know that there's any there's any great team right now. Maybe the Eagles, you you could argue, are, are playing really well. But for the most part, everybody's very beatable. Mark Slaris joining us on the Doug Gottlieb show. Are the Raiders good? Are they just, can they just score? I mean, part of it is when your best wide receiver isn't catching the football for the first couple of games, it's hard for your quarterback who wasn't healthy to look great. But Amari Cooper started holding on to the football. He's had a problem with the drops earlier this year. You mentioned their inability to run the football. Some of that is the play of the offensive line. Their defense has always been hit or miss, right? Like you have Khalil Mack's a beast. You got a couple there, but it's not really a good defense. I, I guess the the end all question is: Are they are they actually are they any good? Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, if they if they can make big plays like they made last night, yeah, they're going to be tough to beat because they're going to score a lot of points because they've got talent on the offensive side of the ball. I think the other thing that was interesting to me is they have played really poorly. That's the most expensive or the the highest priced. Uh, offensive line in football, and they played poorly. You know, through the first part of the season, they played poorly. Last night, I thought, even though they didn't run the ball exceptionally well, I thought they did a good job. You, anytime your quarterback drops back 52 times, there's going to be a few pressures, but he did not get sacked last night. And and I thought it was really telling on the Marshawn Lynch penalty where he runs out on the football field. Man, those guys, those guys, and, and I understand why he ran out there, but those guys were were ready to fight. I mean, those guys were in the face of the Chiefs, and I mean, it was it was a scrum. They hadn't played well. They had something to prove. I believe that Mike Tice, their offensive line coach, basically challenged those guys. They came out and they actually played really well last night. So if they play offensively like that, if they can put up those kind of uh, you know big plays on the offensive side, they're just going to be tough to beat because obviously you're going to make up for a lot of uh, a lot of sins on the other side of the ball, but. If they dominate the line of scrimmage in both pass and if they start running the ball well, they'll be they'll be a tough team to beat. But again, it comes down to this, Dougie. Everybody's everybody's got flaws, you know. Every team in the league has got some flaws. Well, let's let's go with Denver. I mean, like, look, you host a radio show in Denver, and that was I don't I don't like to call things. I mean, I know the NFL; anybody can beat anybody, but I just couldn't see a way in which Eli Manning, with no healthy starting wide receivers. Uh, with uh, with a line that had let him down, and a defense which is good but had some important injuries going into Denver, the altitude, that pass rush, that team's so much better at home, and I mean they kind of you know they there were some trap plays which I thought were really effective for them, but they they ran the football something they really haven't done since Ben McAdoo's even gotten there, and they completely and thoroughly dismantled the Denver Broncos in Denver. 
Uh, what the hell happened? Yeah, I knew it was going to be a tough matchup, the, the Giants' defense versus the Broncos' mm-hmm. offense. I know the Broncos uh, have some issues from a protection standpoint, an offensive line standpoint. And let's face it, I mean, the Giants are pretty good, pretty good on the defensive side of the ball. Now, they've had to spend too much time, and the time possession game has caught them occasionally, and they've worn out in, in a bunch of games. But I think their defense has been pretty you know, they're pretty talented defense. They maybe not have they may have not played as well as they could, but they're a very talented group and you knew that was going to be a challenge because last year was all, well, who's better? The secondary of the, the Broncos or the secondary of the Giants. You knew they were going to come in and play pretty well. I think it goes to a couple of things. I think I think it just goes to show you, you know, um, the next time that you're one receiver away from winning a world championship will be the first time. Uh, the overvalued nature of playing wide receiver in this league. You know, oh, how important is it? Yeah, you got to have some big plays and some big chunk plays, and a lot of those come from your passing game. But it's interesting. I think the Giants couldn't run the ball because they chose not to run the ball because they're too busy feeding all the wide receivers they have, all those hungry mouths that, uh, you know, that want to showcase their own skills and aren't about necessarily winning as much as they are about compiling numbers. And you go back away from that, and all of a sudden, you know, I wonder, is it really Ben McAdoo that lost the team, or do they actually like Ben McAdoo and they can't stand Odell Beckham Jr.? You know, I I don't know the answer to that question, but I do know this, and I hope Odell and every other wide receiver watches this. You're a dependent position. If the other 10 guys on the football team can't do their job, you don't amount to squat, and you won't win games. And they focused. They changed it to a more of a two-tight end formation. You mentioned some of the trap stuff. They decided this is the way we're going to do We're going to manage our quarterback. We're going to throw it 19 times. We're going to run the ball against one of the best defenses in football. And we'll see exactly, uh, you know, we'll see exactly what that turns out to be. And, and that's what they did throughout that entire game. And, you know, I personally, you can tell I have a little bit of disdain for receivers. But um, – that's the way you win in this league more often than not. You control the line of scrimmage on both sides, and you're going to win a lot of football You games. know, it's interesting you point that out. Isn't that kind of what the Steelers did, right? Instead of feeding Antonio Brown and worrying about, you know, stretching the field yeah. and, 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 when, and all the weaponry they have, they ran the football a ton. They were like, hey, Le'Veon Bell is our best player. We can control the clock. You know, we can keep the, you know, keep the offense on time, on schedule, if you will. They ran the football, as they always do against Kansas City, but they kind of got back to that kind of core philosophy. Yeah, for sure. And, and listen, big plays for your receivers are going to happen if you're balanced, if you can do those things, if you can set up play action, um, if you can control the line of scrimmage. You know, when all you do is force it, it's, you know, it's the old adage, and, and I heard this a bunch in, in the game against the Giants, and it just drives me crazy with the Broncos coaching staff. And, and their two losses – Trevor Simeon threw it 46 times against Buffalo. He threw it 50 times against the Giants. And they kept saying, well, we got these favorable, you know, one-on-one looks on the outside because they had eight-man boxes. Uh, That is such an NFL excuse. That is so, hey, sports fans and and fans of our team, you're too stupid to understand. So we're just going to tell you, can't run against eight-man box. We got one-on-ones outside. At its core, you're always looking for a favorable side, and you can always find a favorable side to run to. You choose not to run against eight-man boxes. The number one rush team in the National Football League is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Nobody has faced more eight-man boxes than Leonard Fournette and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Guess what? They're still the number one running team in football. Why? Because they choose to run it. That's what they do. And I'm so sick of that excuse, like, oh, eight-man boxes. 
hell, motion a fullback over there and run at the eighth man, run at the safety, or, you know, run away from the guy. You can do it if you choose to do it. You can find a favorable side, a favorable matchup. And so I'm just sick of hearing, hey, we got really good one-on-ones. How many times does a defense line up in an eight-man box and then peel out and double-team the guy that you think he's one-on-one? It happens all the time. So now you choose to do that because I think a lot of play callers in this league want to throw the ball. The rules are bent that way. It's sexy, and that's how I become a head coach. Throw the ball, make big plays on the outside, and the next thing I know, I get my chance of being a head coach. And it's a flawed philosophy, and I just get really sick of listening to people talk about, oh, the eight-man box can't run against that. You don't want to run against it. That's why you don't. That, that's why it doesn't happen. Mark Slareth, who's very shy in his opinions today, we're having to draw them out of him. Um, he lacks. He was up early with first te- things first and clearly doesn't have the energy to do this. I'm kidding, of course. The Stink <laughs> joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Um, I thought, like, I'll be honest with you, Stink, I thought the Saints were bad. I thought they were like one of the worst teams in the NFL bad. And I, look, I, I understand some of it is scheduling, uh, but they've won three in a row and the defense, Cam Jordan's really good. The offense seems to have figured out how to use two different dynamic uh, running backs after they've jettisoned Adrian Peterson and the, the younger wide receivers are starting to make plays. How did I get it so wrong? Yeah, you and me both. Well, one, one, you know, they've got one of those three quarterbacks that um, can make up for a multitude of sins that, that happen to to be in this league. You know, the Brady's, the uh, Breeze, and the Aaron Rodgers, and there may be another guy in there, but those guys make up for a multitude of sins. And, and then, you know, offensively, they got a rhythm. You know, they've changed a lot of the pieces over the last few years. They changed it. They jettisoned out. Uh, Adrian Peterson, good for him. I thought he was done, and then he just was like a house of fire for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, loved what Bruce Arians, how he put him in there. But, you know, this defense is rolling around. Uh, under Dennis Allen, they're, they're actually playing pretty well, which was shocking. I mean, they still gave up a bunch of points to Detroit. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% with you, man. I thought they were a horrible team. I think the biggest thing is, and I don't know if this, this rang true. I didn't look at the stat box. I just watched uh, – you know, watching the plays, but uh, I don't believe they've turned the ball over this season, and um, that'll that'll lend itself to win a lot of football games when you win that turnover battle. But Drew Brees is a big difference for them. I think they're getting in some type of uh, offensive rhythm, obviously, um, and like you said, some of those young receivers are starting to play well. So you know, you get rid of Brandon Cooks and you you do some different things there. It takes a little while to mesh, especially in today's NFL where nobody gets to practice and you don't actually get to work on a football thing. So I think all those things are coming together for them. Uh, Cowboys are going to have Zeke, I guess, this weekend. Like, I'm super confused by it. But it, it seems like all of this stuff, the National Anthem stuff, the the Zeke stuff, they did have some suspensions. Sean Lee's been hurt. I, I guess there's still time, but it kind of feels like it's going to be one of those lost seasons for the Cowboys. Am I crazy to say that? No, you're not. And here's the thing that scares me about that or concerns me about that. So you keep fighting this. And one thing I know about the NFL, you know, they'll get their pound of flesh eventually. I mean, it, it happened to Tom Brady. Eventually he had to sit out for, for four games. They're going to get their suspension. Um, they're just going to find a way to get that done. You can continue to put it off and put it off. But with all the, the issues that you just talked about and that you laid out so perfectly, my concern is, well, what if you continue to, to fight this and you continue to get to play and there's still all the confusion that swirls around you and the team hasn't played very well and 
You guys haven't played great up front. You just haven't been able to make it happen. And then all of a sudden, um, you, you you take that six-game suspension next year, and now this goes from a one-year issue to a two-season issue right. that you're sitting there waiting on Zeke. I mean, that's that I guess is more than anything. That's what concerns me is could this thing kind of could this thing kind of lend itself to uh, two see two lost seasons? Now all of a sudden you're looking at 2019. Um, that that concerns me for them. Stink, great stuff, man. You were awesome on First Things First, which is uh, replaying right now on Fox Sports 1. You're even better on our show. Appreciate you joining us on uh, Fox Sports Radio. Always love catching up, Dougie. We'll talk to you soon. All right, that's Mark Schlereth, who uh, you can check out on First Things First, as well as calling games NFL on Fox. Uh, we'll talk about um, 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 on uh, both Oklahoma City and the Lakers and the Clippers. A little NBA talk upcoming. First, so let's, let's take it to Dan Beyer. As Dan, we're creeping up on tonight's game. Yankees, Astros, what else going on in the world of sports? Yeah, you'll see that game on Fox Sports 1 coming up just after 8 o'clock Eastern time as it's Luis Severino against Justin Verlander in Game 6. But the big news in baseball right now is Dusty Baker. He's not returning as the national skipper. Not going to be brought back after his contract expired following this season. Baker spent just two years with the Nats, led him to division titles both years. However, they were also ousted both times from the National League Divisional Series. Baker told the USA Today he was surprised and disappointed in the move and also added he wasn't happy with how the team made him wait 10 days before deciding his future. Tigers officially named Ron Gardenhire as their new manager, while in the NFL, spokesperson Joe Lockhart told ESPN the league is not interested in negotiating a settlement on the six-game suspension given to Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott. Elliott will play this Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers. Vikings quarterback Sam Bradford won't play against the Ravens on Sunday because of his knee injury. Minnesota also without wide receiver Stephon Diggs for that game. And Luke Keekley's been ruled out for the Panthers against the Bears. And Doug in the NBA, injuries to point out, including Rockets point guard Chris Paul not going to play tomorrow against the Mavs because of a sore knee. But the Warriors will have Draymond Green and Andre Iguodala tonight against the Pelicans. All right, I'm fa- you know, honestly, I'm fascinated to see what happens to the Lakers tonight. Lakers take on the Suns. Did you guys see what happened to the Suns uh, the first game of the season? Yes. Thomas, did you see that? I, I did not. Byer, you Fill saw it, in. right? Yes. Um, how would you slaughtered. describe it? I think animals and things that are slaughtered are bothered by them being considered in the same realm as this. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, the Suns were like out to a 9-2 lead. Yeah, they were so up, it was even they, worse. They were up seven points to start <laughs> the game, okay, and they lost by 58 points. 124 to 76. Wow. 48 points, but. Oh, 48 yeah. points. They were down 58. The largest margin was 58 points. Excuse me. So uh, think about that. Think about that for a second. Uh, they were simply awful. But, you know, like, look, it's you're awful one night. You get a chance to bounce back. Devin Booker was bad. He was 0 of 3 from 3. Eric Bledsoe was 5 of 18. But Eric Bledsoe is a grown man, right? Physically a grown man. Six one two zero five, and he's going to be going against Lonzo Ball, who's a child. Who's a child? I thought Kenny Smith said something really interesting last night on Inside the NBA. Take a listen. Maybe he did. All the rookies will learn that you 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 can get up for uh, let's say Golden State. You get up for Russell Westbrook coming in, but 
you got to get up for the Clippers. You got to get up for, you know, Minnesota. You have to get up for every night, especially at the point guard position, because that is the toughest position in basketball. I remember Akeem Olajuwon used to laugh all the time and says, Kenny, I only have to play four times a year. You have to play every night without question. At that time, you know, He's going Shaq. He's worried about, you know, great players worried about Shaq. He's worried about David Robinson. He's worried about maybe four guys. But then, you know, he has some nights off. But as a point guard, there's, there aren't early nights early. off. Look, he's 19 years old. He did not play well. And Patrick Beverly had all that angst built up because he's a guy that nobody talks about. He's a guy who was just a piece uh, of a trade. By, by the way, Pat Beverly, it's so funny. He played really, really well. It was completely, you know, uh, tried to be physically dominant, uh, took took the ball from it's called cookies when you take the ball when a guy tries to cross over and you pick his pocket when cookies on Lonzo Ball was yelling first team defense. How many minutes do you think Pat Beverly played last night, Ramos? Did you watch the game? I did, and I was all Dodgers last night. You were all sorry, Dodgers, yeah. all Doyers, all the time. Uh, I would say he played t- twenty minutes. Yeah, he only played twenty four minutes in the game, and like was the biggest personality, biggest thing going on in the game. Blake Griffin looked great, although he was going against another child, right? He was either child night at the Lakers. It really, it really was. It was, it was kids' night, right? They, (laughs) they, they played Brandon Ingram, who's also nineteen. They played uh, Larry Nance Jr. and Larry Nance Jr. is is not super young. He's twenty four, but he looked like a child at two hundred thirty pounds going against Blake Griffin. He's just too soft for Blake Griffin. Griffin looked great. Um. But to me, the so just let's start with Lonzo Ball. I look Lonzo. One of the things he, one of his, is uh, default settings. You know, what default settings are like in a when you play video games. You know, you said like, oh, I always want to. When you play, when I play Madden, I always like like eight minutes for quarters. But the default setting is like five minutes. The default setting is usually like rookie for for skill level. It's just too easy and too short, and it's over too quickly. Lonzo's default settings are when he brings the ball up, like he'll just pass it right away and not even like not even think about it. And they've told him like, hey man, come down and don't be afraid to make a play more often. Like we brought you here to like one of the reasons NBA point guards put up such huge numbers is they they try to make plays all the time. Like Russell Westbrook had a triple double because he he held on to the ball so much. That's going back to last year. By the way, speaking of Westbrook, Oklahoma City did look really good. It's just really hard to tell if they're any good because they're playing the Knicks. The Knicks are bad. And the big the big thing with Carmelo is when things are going good, no one has ever argued that Carmelo Anthony's not a spectacular talent. And I was really impressed by Russell Westbrook and his his desire to to do kind of what Lonzo did, let other guys play, set everybody up, take much better shots. Something we hadn't seen from Russell Westbrook even going back to the Kevin Durant era. But when Melo goes bad is when things are going bad, when adversity hits, and you don't get adversity playing at home against the Knicks in your home opener. Colin Coward thinks the Dodgers might be the best team he's ever seen. I'll tell you if I agree. Upcoming next. Broadcasting live. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience.
<laughs> Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. My mom, my wife's gonna be cool mom tonight. Cool mom tonight. Um, a Niall Heron Horn. How do you say his last name? How do you, I? He's from One Direction. The One Direction guy. One yeah. Direction guy. How do you? Say, don't act like you don't know. Shelby knows. Shelby come on, knows. Shelby. Shelby's like, I don't it? like One Direction. No. Shelby, come on. <laughs> that, that, that is a. I'm sorry. That was a male chauvinist pig thing for me to do. Like, assume that Shelby, who's a millennial and is our uh, is our intern, that Shelby would know all of the One Direction guys. Sorry. You know what? Let's go to our One Direction expert, Dan Beyer. Um, Niall Horn. Horn. Right. Yes. Okay. I believe that's it. So he has an album release party. And at the uh, and of course you can download our app or listen to our show on the iHeart Radio app. We're part of the iHeart family, iHeart Studio. Uh, that Studio the iHeart uh, Theater. Theater. It's the old Tonight Show Theater, I believe. That's correct. They have a release party tonight for his for his album. That's the slow hands like sweat dripping down on a dirty laundry. Who re- that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. My kids love that song. Anyway. So one of my daughters is taking two of her friends, and my wife is taking them, right? But she's not doing the what our kid we used to do, like drop her, drop them off at the concert. They're eleven; she's going with them. Plus, I think she kind of thinks Niall's cute, whatever. Too. So anyway, she's gonna be cool. She's very excited. I go, you get to be cool, mom tonight. I was like, don't go crazy, and de- and you can't be groupy, mom. You can be cool, mom. Very important. Very important distinction between the two. Important distinction. Let's play what the fox said. And now, first time listening to the Doug Gottlieb show. Yes, it's normally this bad, but what we do is uh, we play for you a portion of a show earlier on Fox Sports Radio. In this case, Colin Coward had this to say in regards to the LA Dodgers. I do not recall a lineup as rich as the Dodgers' batting lineup. The Dodgers have so much talent that Corey Seager didn't play in that last series, and they just backhanded Chicago. That Adrian Gonzalez, an all-star level player for much of his career, has not mostly played for months. That you Darvish this year, hit and miss. This lineup is so good that Curtis Granderson occasionally plays. Corey Seager didn't. Gonzalez didn't. And they still mow over people. You just don't get this in baseball, free agency, professional sports, where you have so much talent that Yasiel Puig can hit seven or eight. But it's very rare in pro sports where you can get a lineup of players where guys that would start for virtually other teams and have been key components in other teams, Gonzalez with the Padres, Granderson with a couple of different teams, they're just bench guys. Corey Seager, we'll just sit him for the series. Yeah, look, I love Colin and all, and I know his show is on in L.A. Our show is currently not on in L.A., and that was his point. Uh, it's not really that accurate a point. Like, the, the Chris Taylor story is amazing in that he was in the minor leagues to start the year, and he's become a dynamic leadoff hitter, but he doesn't hit leadoff the way in which I mean, he takes huge swings, right? Like, he's not bunting and just choking up with two strikes to get on. They're swinging away. The Justin Turner story is remarkable because um, he was des- he was uh, designated for assignment, DFA'd by the New York Mets before they pick him up. Like, they have a lot of guys like that, whereas it's true. Sager didn't play. It's true. They haven't had Adrian Gonzalez because he's been hurt. Um, 
but I mean, like, look, the the O three Boston Red Sox. I mean, come on, dude. You had Manny, you had Ortiz. Remember uh, Bill Miller, uh, which was spelled Mueller. The year before, I believe uh, Bill Miller led the league in hitting, and he was hitting in the ninth spot, like in 03. Right? Uh, Jason Veritek, Gabe Kapler, Johnny Damon. Mueller. They had Kevin Euclid. Nomar Garcia Parra was, was on that team. Right? Like, you know, you go back to the Yankees and the Red Sox in early 2000s, and you had really remarkable lineups. Really remarkable lineups. You even go to the White Sox team that won the World Series, erased their curse. Remember, that was A.J. Pruszynski in his prime. Uh, they had, uh, 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 they had, you know, that was Carl Everett back before Carl Everett sucked, before he signed the big contract. Jeez. Oh, he did. Carl Edward. Remember, he's with the Rays. He signed a big contract. Comes to the Red Sox, and he stunk. Well, we've seen other really good teams. St. Louis Cardinals teams, uh, when they had uh, when they had Albert Pujols and Matt Holliday, had just a stacked lineup. Look, I think the Dodgers are really, really good. Let's not put them up there with the 19. Was it 1929 Yankees? That's like the best lineup ever. 27, 27 Yankees. Yankees. Murderers Row. Murderers Row. Like, let's not, not, kill, let's not, let's not uh, erect any statues. Uh, for some of these guys just yet. And I, I know just uh, Justin Turner was, he has the second best as a war OPS in playoff history. Right. To Lou Gehrig. I mean, it's crazy. It's like Lou Gehrig, him, then Babe Ruth in playoff <laughs> OPS. Wow. No, that's the, like the real stat. So I think they're great. And they were on pace to be the greatest team in the regular season, in the history of baseball. And they do have a very deep team, and they did kick the crap out of the Chicago Cubs. But, like, can they win four more games before we start talking about their all-time greatness? Is that possible? And can we catch a breath and realize that one of the great things about this is Bellinger is just a rookie, right? That uh, that they did for a long time want to get rid of Yasiel Puig. And he hit, he hit eighth for a reason until they moved him up in the lineup. Michael Lombardi joins the show upcoming next. I want to get his realistic expectations for Brett Hundley. Because with with the NFC and AFC both being wide open, many of us, myself included, have left the Packers for dead. You know, they won't be good enough for Aaron Rodgers to come back in December. But will they? We'll discuss that, among other things, with Michael Lombardi next. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Getting you ready for a huge sports weekend. How good was last night? How good was last night? Like it, it's one of those things, I don't know if you're, are you half full or half half empty? If you're half empty, you're like, man, that just shows how many bad nights there are, right? So many bad nights. Whereas me, I was like, this is awesome. Awesome. And not often do we get to celebrate in the West Coast, you know, because sometimes in the West Coast you don't um, – the games are games are over early and there's one – like we had back-to-back-to-back incredible games. The, the Dodger win over the Cubs was not a great game, but it was a thorough ass-whooping and it was kind of fun to watch if you're a Dodger fan or you're an anti-Cub guy. Football, the NFL game was great right down to the last play and then the added last play. And then the added last play to that. 
Uh, and you had two good NBA games, or at least two interesting NBA games, other than, even though neither were actually good games. Yeah, great sports. Which brings us to an incredible sports weekend. Um, 7.30 East Coast time, 4.30 Pacific. Wait, tonight we got game six of the ALCS on Fox Sports 1. And then tomorrow we got a couple of big-time college football games. And Sunday, NFL, maybe we'll figure this league out. Michael Lombardi has his own podcast. It's awesome. You should download it. Um, it's called GM Street. Just download it, listen to it. There's so much good information. Uh, he'll, I'm sure, give us some of that as he joins us right now. That GM Street part of the ringer. He joins us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Uh, let, me, let me start with the Chiefs. Look, I didn't think they were as dominant as they had looked the first five weeks of the season. But now they've lost two games in a row. How much concern would you have if you were Andy Reid? Well, I think Andy Reid now has the clues to the story. So he's already read the end of the book. He can now work his way backwards. Everybody's going to play him in his own game. I mean, what Pittsburgh did, the way they the way they handled his offense is, look, Andy Reid wants you to play man-to-man against him. But he wants you to fall for all the fakes. He wants you to go through all the window dressings. When you can play zone, and the Raiders are not a really good zone team whatsoever, but they played it last night because it was a matter of survival, and they had to play it. And I think as he moves forward into the season, he's going to see teams play more and more zone. They're going to break on the quarterback's shoulder. They're not going to look at the quarterback's head. They're going to break on his shoulder and go to the ball and let them drive it down the field, play good in the red zone, but don't give up the big plays. Raiders, for some reason, decided they got bored with playing zone, so they played man a little bit last night. And next thing you know, Tyreek Hill's running in the end zone without a guy around him. Okay, so uh, to to us laymen, like, and I thought Tony Romo did an excellent job of pointing out that they were doing what Pittsburgh had done and playing zone. They're a zone blitz team. Uh, what's the weakness to the to to zone defenses? Well, I, I think you know. Look, when you're a zone team, the way they played it, you're only in a seven man front, and in football, there's eight gaps you have to defend. So when you play a seven man front, you're a gap short somewhere. And you've got to be able to compensate that by somebody has to play two-gap. That's an old term back in Bill Belichick's New York Giant days. So you're going to be a little susceptible. If a quarterback sees two deep safeties back there, he wants to run the ball. And I think that's what the Chiefs are going to start doing. You saw it early in the game when Kareem Hunt broke off that nice run. He ran a lead play up inside. That's because they're in a seven-man front. When you get into an eight-man front, every gap's accounted for. You can still run the football, but every gap's accounted for. In a seven-man front, somebody has to two gaps. Somebody could get this place. So I think that's really what's going to happen. The, 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 the Chiefs are going to see a lot more cover two, a lot more cover four, which is two deep, two deep shell. I think it's going to be more of a zone game as they go forward. Michael Lombardi joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. It's interesting how people start to figure out one another, start to copy others' game plans, what worked, what didn't work, uh, which, which brings me to something interesting with the Green Bay Packers. Like, we don't really – Brett Hundley was obviously not ready to play last weekend, and they had him, Minnesota had him confused, a lot of exotics, and he didn't, know where, he didn't know where to go with the football. But now he's had a week to prepare – and now the opposition doesn't have a book on him. What are your expectations of Brett Hundley? Well, look, the Packers averaged 24 points with, with the greatest quarterback, with the best quarterback in the league, Aaron Rodgers. They, they were still they were 31st in the league in sacks allowed. I mean, Rodgers was sacked 19 times going into that game. And so this offense has had a score in the second half more than any other team because they kind of build their momentum and Rodgers gets going. I think Hundley's stepping into a tough situation because the skill players around him, Jordy Nelson is averaging under 12 yards a catch. Uh, Randall Cobb's under 10 yards a catch. I mean, Aaron Jones 
the UTEP running back, fifth-round pick, he's going to be the guy to carry the team. They're going to have to run the ball more. When Rodgers was playing, they were 65% pass in the first half, 35% run. You've got to change that dynamic a little bit. I'm not saying you need to feature the run, but you've got to get Brett Hundley out of throwing it 40 times. He's not going to carry the team on his back. The other thing is, you can't get behind in a game like they could with Aaron Rodgers, and he let them back and brought them back from the game. You've got to be able to stay in front. That's the best thing that could happen for Brett Hundley is play with the lead. Cincinnati's gone to a lot of quick game here. That's, uh, when, they, when Bill Lazor took over as offensive coordinator, uh, get rid of the ball quickly, get it out to players in space, and, uh, and, and you know, not go to the huddle, just kind of line up so, you, so, so the other team could not adjust their personnel groupings. Um, long-term, will that be as successful as it's been short-term? Well, I, I think, look, before, uh, no disrespect to Ken Sampisi, but they were just running plays. They were truly a play beater, which means they think you're going to play cover two, so they run a cover two beater. They think you're playing cover three, you run a cover three beater. They were just, just a random team. It's what I call battleship football. You ever play battleship? Yeah, Doug? sure. K4 hit, G3 miss, you know, okay, let's try G4, let's try G... That's what, the, that's what the Bengals were before. Now, at least they have a rhyme and reason of what they're trying to do. They're featuring Joe Mixon, who's the best back on their team. Giannano Bernard, he can come in and do a lot of good things for them. And they've got to be real careful when Andy Dalton gets the ball down in the red zone. That becomes a real problem because he tries to force the ball and he's not accurate. He has more trouble against teams that play zone like Pittsburgh because he has to be able to stare the receiver and then they break on the ball. And it's not as easy for him to read as when it's man-to-man. So I think they've done a good job since Zampisi's left of, A, establishing what they do offensively, and, B, managing Andy Dalton. Uh, Denver loses at home to the Giants, who don't have any wide receivers. And we've seen Denver struggle on the road before. And, and look, the Giants were able to really run the football. I know they used some trap plays and uh, some different looks. Uh, that I think Denver was ready for to run the football. But the Giants hadn't run the football this well really since Ben McAdoo came over from Green Bay. Yeah. So so now they're they're going to take on the Rams, who do have a good running attack. Am I crazy to love the Rams this week against the Chargers? You mean the Chargers? Am I crazy to love the Chargers, who have run the football better? Last two weeks, Melvin Gordon has been better, especially in the second half. Am I crazy to love the Chargers? No, I mean, look, if you watch the first game, even when Trevor Simeon was playing well in the first game, the Chargers, if they make the field goal, win the game. I mean, the Chargers are playing better football than the Broncos are right now. This Trevor Simeon is a really a backup-type quarterback who has to start. The Broncos are without a quarterback, and it's tough. Now, the Chargers have been really bad against the run, and I think what Denver's going to try to come in here is play the running game, try to put pressure on Phillip Rivers, force him to move left and right, force him to have to move around the pocket and lock down these receivers. Whether Michael Williams or Keenan Allen can escape and play well, that remains to be seen. The Chargers haven't played well at home. Denver should not be able to beat the Chargers at home. They should have all the advantages, but for some reason I just have a hard time thinking the Chargers are going to win a close game because right. last, the last couple of weeks they have, but most of the time they, they don't. Lose, yeah. The Denver, to me, is a quarterback short. I think John Elway has, doesn't have the answer at quarterback yet. It's not Paxton Lynch, it's not Trevor Simeon, and we know it's not the heist in Brock Osweiler. No, I know, right? I mean, you got you, they have... When, when when I saw I saw Paxton Lynch start in the preseason, I was like, nope, that ain't it. And they thought the same thing, and they just thought they could have Simeon kind of manage the game. Hey, listen, if he doesn't lose it for us, the defense can win it for us. I guess that was that was their thought. But we saw that he definitely can't win it for them when they got behind uh, going back last week or how they played when they were on the road previously. Michael Lombardi joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show. You must download his podcast. It's called GM Street. Follow him on Twitter at m Lombardi. 
NFL. Let's go to the Patriots rematch of the Super Bowl. Let's start. Let's start with Atlanta. Okay, Atlanta. A lot of people have pointed to how different their offense is, how different their play calling is. Um, do you think that their issues are fixable? Uh, look, I've said it before the season started. No disrespect to C. Sarkeesian, but he was never going to be able to do what Kyle Shanahan did, that, that Matt Ryan was going to come back. Matt Ryan's not playing poorly. Matt Ryan's just playing who Matt Ryan is. Now, I think they have a little bit of that hangover. Look, they've been outscored in the second half 72-40. to 40. Okay, so there is a problem. And if you go back and look at the games, I mean, they held on to beat the Bears opening day. Mike Lennon's throwing three balls into the end zone, and if he connects on any of them, they're going to lose that game. And then the Lions became an inch short from beating them. So two of their wins have just been by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin. And I think that if you look at this team, they can't control the game like they did last year with their offense. And Matt Ryan is effective. His average per yards per attempt, which is the key stat for quarterbacks, he was over 9-4 last year. He's now back to his normal number. This is not a knock on on Steve Sarkeesian, he can still help. He can still move the team. The problem is he's just not as talented as a creator offensively as Kyle Shanahan. And the perfect example is this: last year, in 19 games, Matt Ryan threw four interceptions on first down. So far this year, in just six games, he's already thrown three. Michael Lombardi joining us. All right, what about the Patriots? Uh, uh, they 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 survived the Jets on that crazy call. Um, they went down and beat the Buccaneers and made Jameis look bad, although Jameis just didn't play well. So it's been better. They simplified some things defensively, playing a lot more man, but that's not who they are, right? They they play man, they play zone, they they, they change things up uh, based upon the team. They're, they're very pragmatic in terms of their approach. Uh, what? Give me your take as of today on the New England Patriots. Look, I think the one thing that, that I notice about the Patriots is and, and they've always been able to control games with their offense. And so far this year, other than the Saint games, they've not been able to control the game with their offense. They're 4-for-15 on four-point plays in the red zone. Those are the th- third-down plays in the red zone. They can't score touchdowns. That's 40, if you take that, that's 11 times they've been stopped. That's basically they lost 44 potential points. And if you add that into what they've been able to do, if you add some of those points in, they would have been able to extend the lead. They're not playing well. This will be a challenging game. They have to start Johnson Batamosi at corner. They're going to have to play mostly all zone in this game. Don't think they're going to have to be able to get into a man-to-man game here because they just don't match up across the board, whether it's Julio or Malcolm Butler, whether it's you know Jonathan Jones you know, having to play in there. It's going to be a challenge. And I think when you look at this team, they have not done a good job of controlling the game with their offense. They've been bad on third and short. They've been bad in the red zone. And they've been bad giving up big plays down the field. And Atlanta makes big plays. So this is going to be one of those situations where the Patriots, the last time they've lost two games in a row at home was 2008. And before that was 2006. If they lose here, this will be the first time they've lost three in a row at home since you'd have to go back to 2001. Yeah, that's just, that's just absolute, absolute crazy stuff. Uh, again, the, the, uh, the podcast, I listen to it. I download it. You should too. It's called GM Street. And, uh, uh, download wherever podcasts are available, or you just go over to the website, The Ringer. It's at M Lombardi NFL. Michael, great stuff as always. Thanks so much Thanks, for your Doug. time. Bye-bye. All right, it's Michael Lombardi joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Right, we'll turn back to baseball. Upcoming next is a former Yankee, former A. Nick Swisher is going to join us. Uh, I'll get his thoughts on how do you approach Justin Verlander. I mean, like, look, we know how the, Yan- the Yankees, they really grind, extend, try and extend you, but Verlander's a guy that can go really deep into games, go well over 100 pitches in the pitch count, but like, Pretty obvious to get to the bullpen because the Astros don't have one. Um, 
But I want his thoughts on the turnaround that is the Yankees and how they carry that over going after Verlander tonight. And I want to get his thoughts on the Dodgers and if he agrees with Cowherd's assessment that this is one of the best teams he's ever seen. That's upcoming next. But first, um, you guys know I love my Dollar Shave Club razors. They're great. And that's what Dollar Shave Club has always been known for. Did you know they have other high-quality personal grooming products for your hair, skin, face, and shower? Everything you need? Did you know they have body cleanser, hair gel, or pomade, or even I use hair clay. clay? Yeah, I use my hair clay, Travis. That's what I do. Even butt wipes. Yep, they got that too. Got you covered from head to toe and the smelly parts in between. It's super high quality. It leaves me looking, smelling, feeling just so good. And right now you can try it all for their, with their starter set for just $5. It includes a travel size shave butter, body cleanser, butt wipes, and a month of their best razor. After that, replacement cartridges ship for just a few bucks a month. So don't miss out. Get your starter set for just $5 today. That's exclusively at dollarshaveclub.com slash Gottlieb. Again, dollarshaveclub.com dot com slash Gottlieb five bucks gets you the starter set everything you need after that they send the cartridges to your to your house uh, every month that's dollarshaveclub.com slash Gottlieb with true car you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for new or used visit true car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience you got to tune in for tonight's ALCS game six in Houston Game six in Houston. Pre-games at seven. First pitch, 8.08. All on FS1. Also, this is Fox Sports' 20th year of covering the World Series, which begins Tuesday on Fox. So Tuesday on, on Fox. Um, boy, this is great to catch up with him. Uh, Nick Swisher, who you can see on Fox Sports 1's and Fox Sports coverage of uh, the ALCS tonight and the World Series upcoming, is kind enough to spend some time with us. Of course, he's a former Yankee. He's a former A, Indians, people like last name was Braves. They won the World Series in 09. And I just, Nick, thanks so much for, for spending some time with us. I I thought, like, look, I've been to the new stadium. I went to the old stadium. And I, I think a lot of it is how long it's been since the Yankees were this likable and this good. But even I don't think most baseball stadiums rattle teams or rally their own teams. I thought that this version of Yankee Stadium with this team – I thought it rattled Houston a little bit, and I thought it helped the Baby Bombers. Is that is that accurate? Well, yeah, bro. I mean, how, how are you, bro? Everything go, how, everything's good? Everything's great, man. How are you? Okay, bro. I'm doing amazing. Yeah, I feel like uh, there's just something about it, man. And, and I remember watching in the wild card game, and, and, you know, from being around and knowing the guys and even getting to spend time with the team in spring training and, and be part of the spring training atmosphere, uh, you, you never knew what to expect here. Um, you know, this was a team that outwardly said in spring training that we are rebuilding. And if rebuilding is the case, man, the Bombers should rebuild every year. <laughs> it just kind of seems like everything is kind of falling into place. There were a lot of uncertainties to begin the season. Like, is Gary Sanchez the player that we all know he can be? Will he be able to repeat that? Uh, you know, we're all, will our pitching staff hold up? Uh, how will Aaron Judge do in his rookie season? Uh, I, I just think there were so many question marks. And for this team to be in the position they are right now, I mean, you, you've got to give credit to the fans, number one, just because it, I know what it's like to play in New York. And when you feel that love and you feel that energy that that stadium brings, it gives you a superhero quality. And I feel like that's exactly what you're seeing now. And secondly, 
the brass, guys like Brian Cashman, Hal Steinbrenner, these guys are in it. These guys love where they at are as a team. You can tell with the trades they made last year of Chapman and Miller. And by the way, you got lucky enough to bring one of them back. Uh, I just feel like this team is not only set up for this year, this team is stocked with minor league talent, and this team is set up to uh, um, maybe make that historic run like they did back in the late 90s, early 2000s. All right, let, let, let's, before we get ahead of ourselves, they still got to win one more game to get to the World Series, and I, they got it, they're going to have to add sure. some pitching going forward. Um, I just, look, he might not have to go to the pen that much tonight because Ver, you can, Verlander can go 110, 120 pitches, right? So it may, it may but, but how does A.J. Hinch go to the pen, period? Like, there has to be so, like, the idea that he's going to go out there and take the ball from Justin Verlander. Verlander's got to look at him and go, like, really? Real, to those guys? There's got to be n- no so confidence right. at all so in the right. pen. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, the game tonight hinges on Justin's, uh, Justin Verlander's ability to go deep in the game. Because if he runs into trouble early, which could happen, one swing of the bat from one of these strong Yankees could end up in the seats and they're down to nothing. Who do you turn to? I think that's the biggest question. Um, I also feel like Houston has the advantage of being a home. I mean, in this series, both teams uh, are undefeated. So the home field advantage is definitely playing on both sides as well. Okay, so uh, give me what, what's the approach to Verlander? You get in there, he's dynamic. Um, I know everybody knows what the Yankees do, right? Like they, they're going to try, they're going to grind you. They're going to try and extend the count, but they're, but they're also swinging for the fences. They're strikeout walk, uh, you know, strikeout walk or hit home runs type of guys. When, when you get in there and you're gripping a bat and you see Verlander uh, on the mound, what are you thinking? Well, number one, you know, this guy, uh, I think the one thing that you have to give the New York Yankees credit is their abilities to make adjustments. Uh, Dallas Keuchel absolutely dominated the Yankees during the regular season, postseason, whatever season, and all of a sudden, time in a week, and they make an adjustment. They might move up in the back box. I think that's the resiliency that the New York Yankees have. I think on the other side, I believe in a little bit of destiny. I feel like for tonight's game, I feel like Justin Verlander is supposed to be on the mound for the Astros. And, uh, and I also feel like the Yankees, play better when their backs are against the wall, when it's a, it's a win or go home type attitude. So I think tonight uh, I, I would give the advantage uh, to Justin Verlander and the Houston Astros. Uh, but in the long term in the series, uh, I think CC gets it done for the boys in game seven uh, and the Yankees are on to their uh, however many world series. How crazy is it? How, how CC has stepped up his game. Like, look, and I know once he got over 70 pitches in the previous series, it, you know, it, it can get a little bit ugly or whatever. But but the fact that C.C. Sabathia, who, uh, I mean, he was just okay. He was good to start the year. Then he had some injuries. Then he was just okay. He doesn't have the same stuff. But his ability to raise his level in the playoffs, what's that like to watch? <laughs> I mean, I'm watching it just like you are, bro. I mean, like, it's so much fun to watch. And I think he's been quoted as to say this is this is one of the most fun years I've ever had playing baseball. And that is a credit to the young, exuberant talent that the Yankees have in there. This team is made with amazing veterans who have grown up in the Yankee life and know the precedents that guys like Derek Jeter have set. And, and, and that's exactly how it's working out. I think it is no surprise to anybody the relationship with CC Sabathia and a, a famous guy by the name of Andy Pettit. I mean, that cutter has kept him in the game. 
you talk to guys like Austin Romine as well and says, Swish, that is the equalizer. It just kind of seems like when he – it just goes to show you now in an era where all you want is guys lighting up the radar gun, it just goes to show you that guys, when you know where you're throwing the baseball and you have a good idea of what you're doing, you don't have to throw 100 miles an hour. Uh, let's do a little postmortem on the Cubs. Uh, this year was – last year we, not, we it was a coronation – but it also was supposed to be the beginning of a Cubs run. They really struggled out of the gate. Their bullpen was not as good as it was last year. Neither was their starting pitching. They still were the best team in the National League in the second half of the season. So, um, but, but they got dominated by the Dodgers, and this is after surviving the Nationals. Now, the Nationals are a good roster. They got issues of their own I want to get to. Uh, but how would you characterize this, the, the, the season for the Chicago Cubs? Tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. I feel like there is such a pressure put on a team to repeat. It's one of the hardest things to do. I I can't even remember the last time that a team has won back-to-back championships, probably the Yankees in the late 90s, early 2000s. I know the Philadelphia Phillies were there. They won in 08, lost in 09. But I feel like with just where the Chicago Cubs were, I feel like the the bar that Joe Madden has set over there is that if you – if you don't win the World Series, it was a negative year, which is exactly how amazing organizations think. It's exactly how the New York Yankees think. If you don't win a World Series, it was a lost year. And I feel like that is an amazing transformation from where the Cubs were three or four years ago to where they are now. So if you're asking me if I thought their season was bad because they didn't win the World Series, no, I don't. I think it was a tremendous season. I think people learned a lot this season. I think that the Cubs will be back hungrier than ever uh, with that young core roster uh, and be ready to go next season. Nick Swisher joining us, uh, World Series champion, of course, analyst for Fox Sports coverage of the ALCS and of the World Series, which begins this Tuesday. The Nats fired Dusty Baker. Um, and uh, take a listen, if you will. This is uh, Bryce Harper after they lost to the Dodgers in Game 5. When asked about, oh yeah, bro, I I, I, I remember this. Oh, I on. thought the same thing you oh. thought. Hold on, real quick. Let me play it for everybody else. This is Bryce Harper giving a heartfelt plea to keep Dusty Baker. Uh, I mean, I think that just uh, you know, decision was made from up top. You know, I don't uh, don't want to comment on that really. So, um, you know, just comes from up top. Yeah, that's that's really that's really going to bat for your guy, right? I mean. I'm only thinking about this. I'm thinking to myself, like, Bryce, you knew they were going to ask you that question. That's the answer that you give? Come on, man. You know, like, I don't know. I don't know what's inside that locker room. I've just heard the stories, as everyone else has. Um, I feel like um, maybe the Nationals just want a different attitude in there. I know players love playing for Dusty, um, but his post-record – his postseason record is not that good. I think it's 23-32. and 32. And to lose game five uh, uh, in the playoffs back-to-back years, that's, that's tough for an organization and a general manager like Rizzo to take. He, I, I think maybe ownership might think that that team should be moving further on than where they have. So, I mean, I, I'm a Dusty fan. I think he's great for the game. I love his swag. I love the energy he brings to the ballpark. Uh, but obviously that's not – uh, maybe the Nationals are looking for something else. But it also, again, shows you the power, uh, maybe as in like LeBron James when uh, they got a new uh, head coach last year. You know, maybe if your stars aren't happy, 
that means a little more to the organization than the man in charge. Yeah, that's uh, Nick Swisher joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show. What about the Dodgers' dominating performance? We still don't really know how Kershaw is in the seventh inning under pressure. Didn't have to go seven last night. Wasn't good uh, in the DS in the seventh inning. Gave up a couple home runs, but they had a huge lead. So we still don't really know. Uh, but, you know, without without Corey Seager, they th- they they whooped up on the Chicago Cubs. I, Cal heard early... <laughs> Cowherd Cal earlier today said the best team he's ever seen. I was like, whoa, hold on now. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, he lives out here, bro. You know he lives out here. <laughs> so, okay, so uh, uh, g- give me your – obviously they're playing with a ton of confidence, but I'm I'm just wondering what the what the holes are as they get ready to see who wins the ALCS. What are the holes in your mind? None. You, you, none. You know, I remember hearing a story about uh, Larry Walker, and I forget what team was playing, and they were uh, doing a scouting report over the hitters in the pitchers meeting, and they got to Larry Walker, and literally the hitting co- or the pitching coach looked up and said, it says good luck. You know, I feel like that's kind of how the Dodgers roster is. is there's, there's no holes. And, and I heard you talk uh, about Clayton Kershaw, and you never know what he's going to be. You, you don't have, he doesn't have to find out what he's going to be. The Dodgers bullpen is, is the best in baseball right now, statistically, and I think the Yankees are right there as with them. So you're not putting any pressure on Clayton Kershaw to go eight, nine innings like you are Justin Verlander. So I, I feel like we are going to see the best Clayton Kershaw on the planet because he has that luxury of maybe giving everything he has for six innings rather than trying to stretch himself to eight or nine. Let's go back really quickly to, to tonight. The top of the lineup for the Astros is not hitting. Uh, why? why? How do they? How do they? This is an statistically an unbelievable lineup, but Springer's not hitting. I mean, Correa didn't hit at all in New York. Uh, what's going right. on with that lineup? Well, I think that's what you said. They they didn't hit in New York. They hit in Houston. Right. So that's exactly what I expect them to go back to doing. Um, I know Severino has filthy stuff, but can get a little erratic. Uh, I feel like he's young and he's, a, he's got an amazing talent and he's going to harness all that in. But remember, these guys went home last night. They slept in their own bed. They're back with their families and their kids. They woke up this morning and had the same breakfast they're used to having. Baseball players are creatures of habit. And when you can get into that routine that feels absolutely amazing, hey, if you feel sexy, you play sexy. So I, I feel like these guys, you know, they're back in their routine. Their backs are up against the wall. Uh, I expect them to come out and play well tonight. Uh, but also on the other end, if guys like Altuve and Correa uh, can't get it going, uh, then the Yanks are moving on. Swish, we got to get you in studio, man. That's it. We got to get you in studio. I got this energy on the on the radio is good, but the energy, the vibe. Sometime next week, World Series week, got to get you in studio. Okay. <laughs> I like rapping with you, brother. I really do. All right, we'll do it. Nick Swisher, check him out tonight on Fox Sports 1. Thanks so much, Swish. Appreciate it. Nick Swisher joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. He's not having a good day, right? Byer, he's not having a good day at all? I didn't know if he was going to be able to do the interview. I was so excited to talk to you. Uh, so th- this what what happened was when I was at the first place, we used to, we'd always have players in. Ryan Dempster, this is before Ryan Dempster was ever a Cub, well, before he's Cub, before he's a member of the Red Sox, he was hurt with the Reds. We had him in. We've had all. We had. We'd have a different guy in for the playoffs every year. And Swish came through. This was really early when he was at the A's. Came through and hang out with us. 
Uh, we'd eat, watch the games, do uh, do radio shows. So it was a good time. So there's a bunch of these guys like this, and Swish is just one of the one of the good guys everybody loves. Well, there should be great energy tonight in Houston as the Astros entertain those Yankees. As you guys talked about in Game Six, you'll see it on Fox Sports One at eight Eastern time. You know what I hate? Not, I'm sorry. That's I'm sure right. you hate being interrupted. That's one thing. Like, God, I hate being interrupted, you a-hole. Sorry. Uh, um, actually, that is one of my, but I understand completely, so go ahead. Houston has a retractable dome. The, the, it's like they never open it. Like, what's baseball should be played outdoors. They have gra- They have a grass field. Like, open the roof. Right? Like, I understand that the ball fly travels further and the crowd is louder. Yes. But I... I don't, don't you like a baseball should be played outdoor if possible play it outside no make that make that uh noise even get louder yes that's that's what I think it's all about I think that's what they want they want that crowd noise I don't disagree with you with that it's funny though because that roof is that's one of those weird roofs that like you move off of it and then it rolls back in Seattle's got one like that yes yeah, Seattle I've yeah. never I've never Seattle I've never been to, to Safeco is that nice I've never been there. I've just driven past it and have seen it, so it moves past. But it's yeah, it has you that know, weird looking roof. They, yeah, it that doesn't does the, fold yeah. in or. Yeah. But anyway, uh, that roof is going to be closed tonight. Luis Severino against Justin Verlander. Dusty Baker out as skipper of the Nationals after two years. Ron Gardenhire in as the skipper of the Tigers. That's official today. Packers made it official, Doug, that quarterback Aaron Rodgers is heading to injured reserve. So he'll miss at least the next eight weeks of the season following that surgery on his broken collarbone. No Sam Bradford for the Vikings this weekend against the Ravens. Wide receiver Stephon Diggs also out of that game. And some news from the NBA, the New York Times, saying that Rockets point guard Chris Paul could miss a month of action because of a sore knee. Team already ruled him out of tomorrow's game against the Dallas Mavericks. That's it? That's it. I figured that you had to get some picks in, so I wanted to keep I, it I do. Here's what, here's what we're going to do, okay? We'll make the last segment a little bit longer. We'll do our – I'll do my picks, plus uh, we'll bring Bayer back in and get to the press. All the things you may have missed – and five picks in college, five picks in pro, both upcoming next in the Doug Gottlieb Show. Don't let, don't let the names fool you. Dollar Shave Club has way more than just razors. Try their first month starter set with travel size shave butter, body cleanser, butt wipes, and executive razor, all for just $5. After that, replacement cartridges ship for just a few bucks a month. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash Gottlieb. I want winners. Well, we got them. Five NFL. Five college. Five on three. One, two, three. Five. It's five for five with Doug Gottlieb. Let's go, five. I right, uh, quick note: these five picks in college are all road teams, which you should never do. You should never do. Um, but like, look, there's lots of things you shouldn't do. You should never order sushi in a landlocked state. I've done that. I've done that. Right. Um, never order. Extra, extra spicy stuff. I've done that as well. Uh, okay, let's start with USC Notre Dame and Michigan Penn State. Instead of burying the lead, those are the games. I like I like Notre Dame, but I, I haven't seen their quarterback, Wimbush. I haven't seen him throw the football. And something about Sam Darnold has the ability to make plays and win games close. I don't think they'll turn it over three times really like they did last week. Their offensive line has been banged up as they're getting a little bit healthier. Uh, I like USC to go win this game on the road. I think they're when Notre Dame was beaten at home by Georgia. Georgia had an outstanding running game. USC can have an outstanding running game, and it was. I felt like they were too athletic 
for Notre Dame. And I feel like as good as you uh, Notre Dame's offensive line is, this is a very athletic defense for USC. I'm going to take USC to pull the upset win at Notre Dame. They're three-point dogs. Uh, Michigan's a nine-and-a-half-point dog against Penn State. I know they didn't play well in trying to finish the game at Indiana. But Michigan's defense is outstanding. Uh, and their quarterback, O'Corn, hasn't been good, but he does have a lot of experience. And I think this is going to be a low-scoring, hard-fought, slobber-knocker of a Big Ten game. Doesn't mean Penn State doesn't win, but I don't think they win by 10 points. I'm going to take Michigan and all those points on the road. Uh, Tennessee's getting 36 points. If you get 37, take every point you can. And basically, like, look, this is like, I don't know if last week was Butch's last day. If last week was Butch's last day, they should have beaten South Carolina. And they get down to, the, like, the one-foot line and can't punch it in with four seconds to go in the game. Uh, I, I, I can't, I know they were blown out by Georgia. I understand. They were humiliated by Georgia. And, of course, Kirby Smart came from Alabama. Alabama throws in the tape and thinks we're going to do the exact same thing. But I kind of think this is one of those games to which Tennessee scores a touchdown, maybe a field goal. So in order for Alabama to win by 36 points, if you can score a touchdown or a couple of field goals, like they got to put up 47 points. I just don't see it. I I see Tennessee trying to play, shorten the game, lose by a reasonable margin. I'm going to take Tennessee and all of those points as well. I have a new favorite player in college football. New favorite player in college football. So I don't know how much you'll get a chance to watch Arizona play. Okay, But if you do, you're going to have a new favorite player in college football as well. His name is Khalil Tate. Khalil Tate, he can throw it okay. Uh, he had a banged up shoulder to, to start the year. That's why Brandon Dawkins initially got the start. Since he's come in, he completed... of his passes last week. Um, He averages 16.5 yards a carry. That's because he had a 75-yard touchdown run. Khalil Tate is a video game, dude. You you haven't seen an athlete like this. Like, people think like Lamar Jackson. He's like three inches bigger than Lamar Jackson. He may not have a big booming of an arm, but freak your athletically. I like Arizona. Remember, they run. We talk with Justin uh, Wilcox who's the head coach of Cal. We talked to him like he played Washington State last week, turned Wazoo over seven times. Previous to that, they had a three-game losing streak. So let's not go crazy about Cal being all that good. They simply turned Washington State over a bunch. And the hardest offenses to prepare for in a short week are option game. And that's really what Arizona's running. I'm going to take Arizona as a three-point favorite at Cal. Lastly, Oklahoma State, they hadn't won until... Uh, three three trips ago to Texas. It had been since like 1966 since they won at Texas. They've won the last three times. I know Texas is going to try and shorten the game, run the football. Oklahoma State's not good against run, but they Texas just does not have the offense. Texas is a little bit beaten up by the Oklahoma game, whereas Oklahoma State is as fresh and rested and healthy as they've been in a month. Oklahoma State a seven point favorite. I think they just scored too much for Texas. Give me OSU. Let's get to the National Football League, shall we? All right, National Football League. Let's start. Um, uh, let's start with the Packers. Okay, 
Packers are four-point dogs at home to New Orleans. New Orleans is always bad on the road. And you have no real book on the Packers' starting quarterback. Just kind of a gut feel. Kind of a gut feel. Mike McCarthy, I'm not changing quarterbacks. I don't need another quarterback. I've had Brett Hundley in my system for four year, for three years. Brett Hundley, a really athletic quarterback. I'll take the Packers. I'm going to take the Packers to win outright. They're four-point dogs. I'm getting points as well. Chargers at home against the Broncos. Uh, this is I'm just taking the better quarterback. I'm not a big believer in Trevor Simeon. Not a big believer in the Broncos away from home. I do think the Chargers are getting better, though not great against the run. And the Broncos don't run it all that well. I'm going to take the Chargers at home. Keep riding the Chargers. I rode them to four losses in the season. I've rode them the last two wins. Taking the Chargers straight up. Pick them. Pick them game. Easy pick at home. Seahawks going into the Giants. I know the Giants just beat the the, uh, Denver Broncos in the road. But uh, that was an anomaly. Seahawks win. Seahawks four-point dogs. Seahawks cover. Give me the Seahawks. Uh, Rams welcome in the Arizona Cardinals. I know that Adrian Peterson was great in his first game. Rams have a very good defensive front. Going to score too many points. I I think this line is off by at least two, if not three points. I'm going to take the Rams as three-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Arizona Cardinals. Last game. Um, Dallas Cowboys coming off a break. Dallas Cowboys are healthy. Dallas Cowboys going to get up against the backup quarterback in San Francisco. What am I missing? Right? What am I missing? I know that the the uh, Niners have been able to keep it close with a lot of a lot of teams, but the Niners are not good. Can you name the 49ers starting quarterback? You cannot. I'm taking the Dallas Cowboys. Five on three. One, two, three. There it is. Five NFL. Let's go, five. Five college. Five for five with Doug Gottlieb. C.J. Beathard is their starting quarterback. I'm going to take the Cowboys and those, even though I'm giving those points. Let's get to the press. The press. All right, quickly, Dan Byer, what do you got for me? I just me? want to throw this out there. The Cardinals-Rams game is going to be played in London on Sunday My at bad. Twickenham Stadium. No, that's all right. The My point bad. being is Arizona sent out a tweet today, the Cardinals did, saying that with a catch, Larry Fitzgerald would have caught a pass in 40 stadiums in his career. I did the math, Doug. I think if he has a catch on Sunday, it's actually 41 stadiums. How about that? Um, wow. By the way, no word from the Arizona Cardinals yet as I replied to their tweet. Yeah, still waiting. Do they not follow you as well? Um, They do not follow me. They do not as well. I think it's only the uh, Broncos. It's funny. But Doug, they didn't. They didn't follow me. How many followers do you have, Byer? I don't know, like eighty-three hundred. Yeah. Hey, all right. That's yeah. good. He was, he was, it's because he was giving us grief over not following him earlier the week. Remind well, me to follow uh, him at some point. Yes, it wasn't us. Those guys follow me, Doug. You just don't. But you're missing out on good sports info. Right, right, like this right. tidbit. Not only did Marshawn Lynch get ejected last night, he also watched the rest of the game from the stands in Oakland and, and actually took Bart home from the game. Hey, Bart is great, man. I'm telling you, the Bay Area Rapid Transit, that, that thing is awesome. Um Look, you can be man of the people. That's good because he's going to be man of the people for a good portion of the rest of the season <laughs> after running in off the sidelines, trying to break up a fight, and then pushing a referee. If y'all got a crew, you got to have a fall guy. You got to have a fall guy. That's right. That wasn't me. That wasn't me. Somebody else dressed up in Marshawn Lynch. Remember yesterday when we told you that Mike Mitchell of the Steelers was fined for hitting Alex Smith $48,000? Yes. Um, apparently that wasn't the case. 
Mitchell was actually fined 48 grand for his helmet-to-helmet hit on Chiefs running back Charkandrick West and fined another $9,000 for his hit on Alex Smith. Dude, how'd you like to go and play in an NFL game and actually lose money even though your team won? <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be the weirdest thing ever. Uh, New York Times says that Chris Paul could miss a month with his sore knee, not going to play against the Mavericks hey, on Saturday. Uh, Houston needs a point guard for two to four weeks. I know uh, uh, an over-the-hill white guy who's available <laughs> in Sherman Oaks, California right now. No, that would be great. I'd love to see you back in action. And the Packers made it official. Um, we did touch on this earlier. Aaron Rodgers on right. IR means he's out at least eight weeks. Hey, get out there and press. That was the press. Yeah, I've, I have some sources. Rodgers thinks that if, if they're if – they're, competitive in late December, he could come back. We'll see. We'll see. They all think they'd come back. Romo came back, broke it again, but uh, this would be eight weeks, so it would have much more time to heal. Other guys have come back in like four weeks. That seems just absolutely insane. I think we're going to have a game seven in Houston. I just do. Justin Verlander's that good, and the Astros are that much better at home. Either way, World Series starts on Tuesday in L.A. We'll cover that and all the college and NFL football on Monday on the Doug Gottlieb Show. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.